0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: How's doing? I'm doing great. I'm actually in the middle of a tropical storm. I don't know if you guys can hear anything. Um I got a pretty good new mic. So for for certain purposes, I feel like, you know, it's not going to catch the loud rainstorm that just decided to happen when me and Chris decided to do this episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. But I don't know. Maybe it is catching it. So I apologize if you guys hear rain. Hey, you know what? Weather is a bitch. But either way, this is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the weekly show in which me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you guys with reviews for the television shows in which we watch. So this episode, which you'll probably listen to this on a Friday, Saturday once released, um, is going to be about the Wednesday Night Wars. So it's a very happy, fun episode uh, we're gonna be recording our second episode uh, for new listeners on Saturday, though should be out by Sunday uh, for Raw and SmackDown. But um, you know, there's no ninjas on this. There's no uh, weird Antifa ripoff group with this whole entire thing. It's it's a lot of fun. There's there is the Dark Order, but it's a little bit different. They're they they're they're, uh, they're more of a cult. But either way, to discuss all this magical. Weird wrestling bullshit. My wonderful co-host, the co-host with the mo-host, Mr. Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm doing wonderful, man. I I mean, minus uh, worrying about if the internet or not is going to go out again (laughs) during these thunderstorms. But outside of that, uh, I've been doing great. It's been a busy-ass week uh, for me, but uh, I got a cold beer, watched some good wrestling this week, so uh, excited to talk about it. How's your week been going, Dane? Uh, not too
1: bad. You know, I wish that it chose to rain like this while I'm at work sweating my ass off in a fucking warehouse. Uh, but it's sunny.
0: Half <laughs> uh, my life.
1: Anyways, but what are you going to do, Chris? What are you going to do?
0: Um, you can get a bunch of those, like, hat fans, like you see with, like old ladies have, like necklace fans, and then put them on a hat or something, like a giant visor hat. I'll just, like...
1: Wear like 50 of them, like <laughs> on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. That'll be good.
0: Don't don't they don't they sell like AC clothing at this point, or some kind of like electrical clothing that keeps you cool all day?
1: I don't know. Can they make like the opposite of a fire? Like a, <laughs> I don't know, some type of freezing element. That'd be pretty cool. It's not gonna happen though. I'm gonna wish, and uh, never gonna happen. Anyways. So we got, uh, we got some stuff to talk about. We're going to break down NXT. We're going to break down AEW Dynamite. Go over the ratings, which uh, both uh, shows were actually down this week. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy both shows. Um, there are some things about both shows I did not particularly enjoy, but we'll get to that. But overall, I thought that both shows were really good. And there's two segments in general that definitely intrigued me more than anything. To me... The, the the two best segments if you will that you know there were some good wrestling don't get me wrong but the opening segment on NXT with, kill, with uh, Karrion with carrying cross and using a fucking fireball Chris I don't think I've seen a fireball whoa holy crap speaking <laughs> about fireballs I don't think I've seen a fireball in a very long time and then obviously AEW we'll get to it but the uh, you know, FTR kind of showing their true colors and also spiking Ricky Morton. So if you are a wrestler from the 80s, do not get in the ring with someone you think is a friend of yours because they're gonna screw you over. Ric Flair, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, stay away from these young bucks. They're well, not the young bucks, but these younger wrestlers, even if they're Randy's age, they're gonna they're gonna hurt you. Stay away from them. But those, to me, Chris, were my two favorite moments of last night.
0: I would tend to agree with you. I thought the carry and cross stuff on NXT is great. Um, definitely made him come off looking like a like a fucking monster. The Fireball thing, I hadn't seen it in a while. Last time I saw it was when uh, they asked uh, Jerry the King Lawler to do Joey Ryan's penis spot, and instead of doing it, he shot him in the dick with a Fireball. That's the last time I've seen it. Thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um and uh, outside of that, I mean, the FTR setup was great. I mean, I kind of expected a little bit more with their hill turn, but uh, watching Ricky Morton take a spike pile driver and sell it like he was dead and my wife legitimately concerned for this old man uh, was pretty great. That was fun watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, tell Karen she probably doesn't have much to worry about because there's – there. I mean, I'm assuming the Rock and Roll Express is going to have a match with FTR. They'll probably get their asses kicked, but – I mean, Ricky Morton's going to be wrestling. He's like, what, 65? Motherfucker's going to be wrestling until he's 75. I mean, I just saw – I sent you a picture of Terry Funk uh, from a couple days ago, and he still looks like he could whoop someone's ass.
0: <laughs> I, think the, I think it speaks more to Ricky Morton's selling, right? Like you've always heard about how good Ricky Morton was at selling, and uh, it, it played into my life last night while watching this show. <laughs> Which was which was fucking great. She was like, "Is he okay?" I was like, "Yeah, he's Ricky Morton. He always sells like that. He's fine."
1: <laughs> he's just that amazing at selling. That's the whole point, people. Uh, good old Rock and Roll Express, or as Matt Jackson will refer to them, the original Young Bucks. <laughs> oh God. All right. Anyways, uh, let's um let's start off start with NXT because as a, as a whole, I usually end up enjoying for the most part some of the structures of the matches on NXT. A lot of times more than AEW, but AEW as a show always is like easier to go through. So we'll, we'll end it with AEW. But like we were talking about, we had the the start of uh, NXT with Carrying Cross coming out to the ring for his his dramatic uh, entrance. Uh, you know we now have Vic Joseph on the broadcast team. I guess they they decided to pull uh Todd Phillips off. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe maybe it's because he's doing, like, double duty, sometimes triple duty, it seems. But um, I like Vic Joseph. I think he's a damn good commentator. I thought that he was good on NXT beforehand. I thought he was good on Raw when he was there. And I thought he was good originally when we first heard him on 205 Live. So uh, he's going to be on there with Mauro and uh, Beth uh, as weird specters next to him because everything's over the uh, the phone uh, aside from him who's actually there. But either way, like I said, Karrion Cross comes there. Danny Burch, um, you know, his entrance hits, he hits the ring. He's screaming for them to start the bell. And then he just tries to jumpstart the match and comes out, you know, really giving carion some, uh, some, some, some trouble just right off the bat, carrying kind of gets a hold of it. They go out to the outside, uh, you know, Danny Burch gets a little bit more ahead of him for, for a time period. And then carrying kind of shuts that shit down to side Sy- sideo suplexes, on the dude's neck and choke out that's it so carrying cross is with scarlet inside the ring their music hits and then all of a sudden it's interrupted by another uh, set of uh, theme music from Mr. Keith Lee our NXT World Heavyweight Champion who is all fucking business with a clipboard you know obviously with a contract in it coming towards the ring gets in the ring carrying cross and scarlet get the fuck out of the ring and uh, this was the best promo Keith Lee has, I think, made. I think I really like this version of Keith Lee. I like Keith Lee with a, with some anger in him. Like it definitely has provided him to not just be like Fraser Crane on the mic. Like he was pissed. Uh, he basically said at Caring Cross, you know, the last week referenced that. This is all on 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 uh, what call it on Keith Lee, and Keith Lee was like, "Well, guess what? Everything I'm about to do to you is on you," and you can tell that he's giving it off that he's not fucking intimidated of Karrion Cross. He doesn't give a shit about the pageantry or anything like that. He's gonna hurt him for doing everything that he's done so far, and he basically said, "Gives Scarlet the or he he put the the thing down the uh, the uh, what you call it the." The contract itself. Scarlett grabbed it, looked at it, gave it to Karrion Cross, who's not stopping his stare at Keith Lee. Signs it real quick. They hand it back to him, and Scarlett kind of backs away really strangely. Keith Lee fucking takes the thing, opens it, and boom, fireball right in the face. Um, while Karrion Cross and Scarlett both smiling, you know, get out of there. We have EMTs and referees getting in the ring, trying to get water and, and, you know, towels on Keith Lee's eyes. He's freaking out, saying, where's Karrion Cross? Can't see anything. And they kind of did this cool concept in which we had a Drake Maverick-Killing Day match that was really just there as a backdrop. It wasn't as important, which kind of sucks for both those guys, especially Drake, because I want to see him against Phantasma again in the future. Um, but I digress. Uh, but we see them taking Keith Lee to the back. Uh, they meet up with Mia Yim, his, his uh, either wife or fiance. I forgot which one. She's trying to help him out. He's still freaking out. He's pushing referees out of his way. And they get that all settled. When he's leaving, we see the Undisputed Era pull up full of piss and vinegar. And they go out and interrupt this match with Killian Dane and Drake Maverick and just beat the living shit out of the two of them. Take the ring. And Adam Cole cut an awesome promo. This promo was, by the way, going on at the same time MJF was giving his promo. Much, much smaller by Adam, but basically it's just straight to the point. And no, I'm not a fan of the, the, the Pat McAfee thing because I don't think it has enough. I, I just don't like the way that they're doing it. If it was Pat has like a baby face who's like out of his league and doesn't know what the hell, you know, how to deal with Adam Cole and Adam Cole's calling him out and they beat the shit out of him. Then it makes a little bit of sense, but I don't understand giving the football player the credibility that he's tougher automatically. I think that's kind of dumb. But Adam calls his ass out. Apparently they're going to have a stare down next week leading up to their takeover match. And uh, I thought I thought it was actually a really good promo, you know, just Undisputed Era like. So uh, how would you like this whole entire segment as a whole? And also in between that, how would you like the interaction with Keith Lee and Karrion and Cross? And then later on when Undisputed Era came out and then Adam Cole dropped his promo against Pat McAfee. Chris.
0: So the Keith Lee promo I liked a lot. I, I agree with you. I think this gives him an edge. And I think him having a solid heel to work against is uh, is great for what they're trying to do with Keith Lee. I like that uh, when Cross signs the contract, like you said, he never broke eye contact. But when he hands it back to Scarlett, she kisses it. And then hands it over to Keith Lee and then it like does the explosion thing. So I kind of like that they have a little bit of this mystical chemistry with each other, as we've talked about in the past. So um, the match itself with uh, Karrion Cross and, and Danny Burch, I mean, it was just pretty much just a squash match, but it was pretty good. Um, overall, you got Danny Burch passing out. So that was that was good. Um, so that, that whole segment, I think, just furthers that feud, makes me want to see their match. Um, nothing really bad to say about it. I thought it was kind of cool to see a contract catch on fire. It's very, very off putting in the way wrestling has taken super serious a lot nowadays, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it, it added a lot to it. So that was, that was awesome. Drake Maverick and Killian Dane, like you said, um, I would like to see Drake Maverick doing more, but they're kind of just here for the undisputed error. And, um, yeah, outside of just Fucking hating the fact that the best thing they can think of for Adam Cole to do is feud with Pat McAfee, a former podcaster slash – or current podcaster slash, you know, former punter. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe you're going to do this. You should do it with someone bigger to me for Adam Cole, you know, the champion, the longest-ringing champion in your company's history. But whatever. Outside of that, he cut a good promo. It's just hard to get over the image of him getting punted in the head last week uh, and how they're going to build that. So, I mean, the stare down continues that they're trying to bring some celebrity to NXT. It's just I don't think he is the right celebrity to put in this situation against someone I consider their top guy, maybe slightly below Keith Lee at this point.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem. The problem I have with it is that. I don't think, you know, I know that he's always at, you know, these these pre shows and whatnot, and I know that he used to be an ex punter, but I'm pretty sure in the landscape of football, and I I don't know shit about shit, that people like like Michael McMichael and Lawrence Taylor during their time periods were bigger names than Pat McAfee, and they were actually like linebackers or, you know, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that punters are, are bullshit. My whole thing is why is it. You know, and Jim Cornette is the one that brought this up. When it comes to these angles with WWE involving sports stars, they always make the football player or even the actor, like I love Stephen ML, but even him with uh with call Cody, it's like the wrestler somehow is out of their element in a wrestling situation with a football player. Like that to me is fucking stupid. And I'm sorry, but if if Adam is ever going to, you know, go to Raw or SmackDown from NXT Calling out every fucking flaw that critics have with him, I don't think is a good thing to do in a storyline. So I'm hoping Adam Cole destroys this dude, uh, just kind of handily. But, you know, they're doing it anyways. I just, based on the views that that video got and tracked in, I don't think it's that impressive to try to think that this is going to make that big of a, of anything in the zeitgeist of, of, of pop culture you know, I, I just don't think Pat's that big of a name. So I don't really know who this is benefiting. You know, I'm, I'm happy that he's trained with Rip Rogers and he, he has a, an appreciation for pro wrestling. But at the same time, I don't see how this benefits Adam Cole at all. And is he the baby face in this?
0: I mean, he's getting made fun of for being a little guy saying that he should have never he would have never held the title if it wasn't for the undisputed era, And then he got punted in the fucking head. So, I would say that he is the babyface in this. The problem is, you're doing it to the, you're kind of your most diehard fan base that likes wrestling ass wrestling with NXT. And this is very much something you would do in W, like on Raw, headed into Mania. And it's not a big enough name. It's not like a shoot fighter. It's not like Conor McGregor or something where it even comes off as being slightly important um in the grand scheme of things so i mean there's multiple problems with this and, and i'm not like look i'm not here to shit on pat McAfee, whatever they probably asked him to do this he's a wrestling fan it's a storyline he obviously had that great i mean that shit if that was all of work with adam cole it would it looked really good it made a lot of people uh think it wasn't a work so that you know they got they got over what they were trying to get over it's just i don't know who this is supposed to be for when you look around the nxt fan landscape
1: Yeah, and there just seems to be, I think, other suitable opponents uh, for Adam Cole uh, within the NXT locker room that they could have put together in the last couple weeks to work out a pretty damn good match. I don't know exactly off the top of my head who that could have been, but I'm sure they're there. You know, I just,
0: uh, I don't (laughs) know. I mean, right offhand, a rematch for his fucking title would be... (laughs) Where I probably would have yeah. worked with it first. But if, if if they're not
1: going to do that, I mean, there's... I mean, put, fucking set him up with Johnny again. They had a great match. I don't fucking know. Anything besides this.
0: And I mean, whatever. It's probably going to get some additional viewers. But if you look at the ratings, it has, not, it has not done what they thought it was going to do. Right? Yep. I, I mean, think it's it,
1: still crazy, Chris, that we're going to be watching this... This takeover, the same time we're watching the next episode of Dynamite due to the uh, everything that's going on with the uh, NBA on TNC.
0: Yeah, the next few weeks are going to be kind of wild, which I I was going to wait till we got into ratings to go into super detail. But yes. And uh, I mean, I think both of these I will say both of these shows got hit hard with both the NBA play or the NBA regular NBA schedule happening um, and doing really well because they had some good games on. And then also NHL had, like, three good games on back-to-back-to-back to back to back, throughout the entire Sports time. Sports are thought, back all
1: at the yeah. same time out of nowhere because of the pandemic. <laughs> That's got to be fucking crazy.
0: But, uh, Competition. Yeah. It's uh, they, Yeah, the Pat McCat, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's uh, I it, obviously, you know, you did it two weeks. It didn't draw a huge number. Maybe just end the shit next week and don't take it all the way to uh, – what I would consider a super big pay-per-view.
1: Yep. All right, so, you know, we have a promo with Kushida. Uh, He cuts a promo in Japanese to hype up tonight's triple threat qualifier match for the ladder match takeover. He says it's time for Kushida to taste gold. Um, And then we had a match with Santos Escobar and Tyler Breeze. Um, So, you know, apparently... Fandango has been nowhere to be seen, and so Tyler Breeze came out with a little bit of a fire, if you will, uh, going against Mr. Uh, Santos Escobar, but I mean, just the, 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 the sheer fact of numbers and the fact that they've been pushing Santos to be a badass because, I mean, El Fantasma has always been a badass, but this version of him, so at the end of it, um, Breeze is trying to mount offense, uh, but Escobar drops him with knees Breeze blocks the Phantom Driver and sends Escobar out. He comes back in and Breeze attacks. Breeze with forearms. Breeze keeps control and drops Escobar with a supermodel kick. He goes for a pin and stops when Mendoza and Wilde run out. Breeze fights them off, but Escobar takes control and hits the Phantom Driver for the pin to win. Uh, Your winner, Santos Escobar. After the match, Legado del Fantasma stands tall in the ring. As the uh, as their music hits, Fantango comes out with his arm in a sling, carrying a stick. Fentango takes out Wilde and Mendoza, but Escobar drops him with a kick uh, to his injured arm. Escobar focuses on the arm now, and he joined by he's joined by the other two. Breeze is also down. Isaiah Swerve Scott makes the save and fights off all three heels. legato del Fantasma retreats uh, to the floor and looks on as Swerve yells at them from the ring as Breeze checks on Fandango. So it looks like from this, Chris, uh, we're getting Isaiah Swerve Scott and Santos Escobar at takeover for the Cruiserweight title. But next week they're setting up Fandango uh, or Breezango, if you will, with Swerve against the three members of um, Phantasma. And I'm looking forward to seeing all three members kind of work together tag-wise. I think we've seen that once. Uh, But, you know, given everything with of obviously they're not taking this too seriously, like they said in their their promo. Um, They are still good opponents, so they should be able to make them look strong next week. And I think we should have a good three-on-three match. I know, like me, probably like you, and like many, a lot less care is into this due to the people involved. And I think it kind of sucks for both Fandango and Tyler Breeze once again, but I'm not going to beat a dead horse um, you know, that stopped mooing about six years ago. So uh, what did you think about all this? And really, when it comes down to it, are you looking forward to seeing Santos Escobar, Isaiah Swerve Scott for the NXT Cruiserweight title at TakeOver?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that match at TakeOver. I think it's kind of a weird setup to get there with Brazongo, especially if Fandango is hurt. So this is essentially going to be a handicap match to make Isaiah look strong and then probably have Fandango or Tyler Breeze take the pin, right? Or am I just crazy on this? No, I think
1: you're probably dead on the money for that.
0: That's so what I, mean, I would assume. You know, if you... I would be building something bigger if I knew that next week I was going unopposed to pop a big rating. But uh, I guess we're gonna go with this this three on three. <laughs> yeah, three on three match <laughs> with an injured Fandango. So cool.
1: Yep, I kinda tend to agree with you. Alright, uh, so we see a video package for Dakota Kai versus NXT women's champion, Yoshiraya takeover, the promise. Promo focuses on Kai, who says she's figured out how to beat Shirai. Kai says the captain will become the new champion at TakeOver. And uh, we also get a vignette of Rich Holland. He says the hype with last week's debut was real. Uh, And it looks like, I mean, apparently they have really big things for Rich Holland. We only got like a brief look at him. I thought he was fine in the ring. I think that obviously the appeal here is obviously his... His look, he's a very buff, big gentleman. So, you know, I hope he ends up being good. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what to say uh, other than that, but he's got a good look. He's got a great body, you know, hopefully that... And to me, he didn't really show any flaws himself in that three-way. I mean, for everything that a three-way can, can cause. Um, but yeah, uh, Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai. And also, what do you think about
0: Rich Holland? It seems like just looking at Twitter and stuff, people like Rich Holland. So maybe not the worst guy to try to get behind. Uh, And I haven't seen anything to make me think that he's just awful. So I'm looking forward to just maybe seeing him get involved with the North American Championship coming out of the pay-per-view or have kind of a a mid-card role. I think it's an interesting character, and hopefully they can do one of these... Great videos or vignettes they do, kind of telling a little bit of a backstory of this guy because it's interesting, right? He's like a former rugby player. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's some cool stuff there that you could talk about. And then, um, and you're talking, and and the other question was about the uh, the Mia Yim match, right?
1: No, not Mia Yim. Uh, The pro the promo with Dakota Kai for Io Shirai. Are you looking forward to that match at Takeover?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a great match. I think it's probably a little too early to take the belt off of uh, Io. This is the vignette, right? I didn't miss a promo. Okay, yeah, so they do a great job with these. Um, God, I hate to say that because Dakota Kai should be next in line. Maybe they will bring up Io. It wouldn't hurt their women's division, but uh, I don't know. It seems like it it would be – God, it's not even that short of a reign now that I think about it. It just seems so short. I, don't I, just
1: feel, I just feel like if anyone's going to take that title from Mio, it probably should be, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Fuck. And now I can't think of her. Rhea? Um, no, Well, Mia's definitely up there, but no. Um, oh, I, I said Rhea. Rhea Ripley? Yes, I'm sorry. I thought you said oh, yeah, 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 Rhea, if they're not going to bring her and put her on SmackDown or Raw, give her back the fucking title. I mean, I like that she's getting a match with Mercedes Martinez, and that seems like a fun match, just two of those ladies beating the shit out of each other. But honestly, if Dakota doesn't get that belt. It's making me think that they're either going Rhea or Mia, probably, from here.
0: Yeah. It, its uh, I don't think there's a bad situation because their women's division is so strong. I don't necessarily – I would – it seems it would be very weird if they just throw Io right up to the main roster um, would be my yeah. only – Fault here. I'd rather have Eo versus Rhea um, down the line. So I would hope that she retains, but also if Dakota Kai wins, it's not the end of the world. There's a lot of no. shit they can look around with that. So, I mean, the vignette was fun.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, that makes me think there's another person that I'm not thinking about. If Dakota Kai were to win, that makes me think they're eventually setting up for Tegan Knox to take that away from Dakota Kai in the future to kind of end their feud and make it go full circle. So there is that possibility, and she is definitely another person we got to think of that they're building uh, within the women's division. So um, speaking about Mia, kind of an awkward concept. She was so concentrated on about what's going on with Keith Lee that, you know, we have a match with her and Indy Hartwell. Indy's already in the ring, and and Mackenzie Mitchell is backstage trying to talk to her, ask her about her boyfriend, and she's all stressed out and gets the rest of her – her stuff on, tells Mackenzie to take a hike, and heads to the ring. Um, I think I, I agree with uh, Dave and Brian's assessment on Indy Hartwell. I think she's got a great look. I think she's very athletic. I think she's a bit green. Um, I don't have a problem with them trying to get her. I mean, she's only had two matches, so get her jump started. Uh, but I think Mia looked really good in this match as, you know, the kind of the person taking the match and moving it forward um the end of it would have hartwell uh jumps on yim's back and rams her into the corner hartwell goes right back to her back bringing yim back to the mat uh more back and forth between the two hartwell kicks yim and tells some trash or talks some trash to her face yim comes right back and drops hartwell mounting her with strikes hartwell misses a kick and yim drop kicks her Yim with another dropkick and a neckbreaker. Yim launches Hartwell with the suplex, dumping her on her head. Hartwell counters, uh, but Yim takes her right back down into another submission until Hartwell taps for the finish. After the the match, uh, Mia just stands tall. So, yeah. Mia's got a lot of shit going on, man. Keith got fucked up from a fireball. She's trying to get to the goddamn ring. Kenzie Mitchell's asking her 50 goddamn questions on the way there. But like I said... Mia's a, Mia's been in the business for a while. Uh, I think that she she helped bring uh, Indy Hartwell to a pretty good match, and uh, I just like that. It kind of it gave reason why she was that Hartwell was getting the best of her because her mind obviously was under under you know in other places. But once she finally got back and you know realized I'm Mia fucking Yim, she took control and she beat the newbie. So I liked it. Uh, what'd you think?
0: Yeah, pretty much the same synopsis. I did like the... I mean, it is kind of a weird relationship with her and Keith Lee that they've talked about briefly just during that Johnny Gargano feud, mostly. Um, But outside of that, I mean, at least they did a callback to it. And, you know, she was a little bit distraught that Lee possibly lost his eyes via Fireball. And, um, you know, she figured it out, won the match. I thought Indy Hartwell looks pretty good in this match, honestly. Uh, And and, uh, a lot of that has to do with her opponent but um i look forward to seeing more indie heart well i think the the match i remember most was from that evolve special they did back in january where she just wrestled some local person i thought that was pretty decent as well but i know she's been on this show and i'm probably just misplacing it at this point in time but that's the first one that comes to mind and and i don't know much uh, of her indie work but right here i think she looked okay
1: and I mean, it makes sense because they work together and evolve. Her last match and her first match, I think, on NXT, or at least the, her last premier match was the one she beat Shotzi Blackheart because Mercedes Martinez got involved and fucked over Shotzi and Indy got a win because of it. But that's the only time I think they've had her on NXT uh, until now. And that was like, I think, a month ago.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember that now. It's it's all of the stuff starts to run together when you talk about like four. Six wrestling shows a week. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I I
1: get it, man. I completely get it. Um, But anyways, we have a video from Finn Balor. He sends a warning to whoever wins tonight's triple threat match, whether it be Kushida, Cameron Grimes, or the mystery participant. Balor has his eyes on winning the NXT North American title at TakeOver. Remember, uh, due to the fact that um, Dexter Loomis got injured, and apparently it was from that, that badass flip he did to the outside and just like the way that he fell on one of his – he tore something basically. So he's out. So to make up for it, they're having two matches uh, with the guys that didn't get pinned in these four matches, if that makes sense. So uh, it's going to be Finn Balor, spoiler alert, going against Velveteen Dream. And the winner of that will go against whoever wins between Rich Holland and Johnny Gargano. And that person that wins those matches will be the ne- that person taking Dexter's place within all this. So going around your ass to get your elbow. But, hey, we're getting a match with Finn Balor and Velveteen Dream, and we're getting a match with Gargano and Ridge Holland. And even though I – and I can't stand the segment that's coming up with Gargano, I can't talk shit about his work in the ring. He's always good at making people look good and you know bringing out great matches, so – that's good. I still don't know who's going to win those, man. I, I feel like with what happens at the end, it would make a lot of sense for Kushida to attack Velveteen Dream and cost him his match, and Finn Balor to go on. Probably Gargano to beat Ridge Holland. Then you have Gargano and Finn again. Finn beat. Just let Finn fucking beat Gargano. It doesn't really matter from there. Both those guys are going to be in this to fall off the ladder a lot because they don't have a lot of people in this that are doing that. I mean, they got Cameron Grimes. They got uh, Damian Priest, they have Bronson Reed, you know, so they do kind of need someone that can fucking fall off ladders, and if you remember the last uh, TLC match that that Finn was in, he could take some ladder spots. Uh, Not that I really want to see him get slammed into one from Andrade again, but my lord. Uh, So what do you think about all this, Chris? Do you think that, I mean, this is a shitty situation with Dexter getting injured, they kind of just made shift something. And they're, we're getting kind of like, especially Finn and, and Velveteen Dream, somewhat of a dream match, no pun intended. Um, but who out of those four do you want to see be that one guy that goes on to this match? Finn Balor, Gargano, Ridge Holland, or Velveteen Dream?
0: So they're going to have the two separate matches, and then they're going to have a second. Uh, uh, basically, they're doing a little mini tournament. Yeah. I got confused by this. Why would you not just do a four-way? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that makes a lot more sense honestly <laughs> like, i guess
1: it's but i mean me and you should probably not complain that the fact that they're doing two singles matches as opposed to a fucking four-way that will just be you know
0: well i mean it, fuck. In, unless the idea is that you want to build to the ladder match and set up individual feuds within that thing and now you're doing two weeks of television with kind of the same guys and also like just because you ate a pin now you're not worthy to get another shot i guess in a three-way match which is weird i mean look those matches are going to be really good so like you said can't complain too much but it's uh if you're nitpicking i guess um it's fine Finn Balor's promo was pretty good i think that if i if i was if i were them unless they're just really really behind because he's going against uh, rich rich right
1: Re, or Finn's going against Velveteen, and uh, Johnny's going against Rich Holland.
0: Yeah, so I, I think I'm... I, God, maybe you just have both of them win. <laughs> Finn and, and, and Johnny Gargano, because they're just your both known
1: assets. It. Yeah. Um,
0: but, you know, adding one more big man slapping meat, I guess, not... Also not a, I mean, if you're trying to push Rich, you could put him in there and have him have some big spots and take out Gargano. It's just Gargano would then be on a, lo- a little bit of a losing streak. It's gonna so, be
1: weird if they have a takeover without Johnny. Takeover, honestly.
0: I mean, you do have you can't have Finn lose against Velveteen Dream no. coming on on Velveteen Dream's weird comeback. So I mean, your scenario of like at least Kushida fucking him up before the match or something or at least costing him the match, maybe not like actually interfering, but costing him the match in some way. Um, Just because Kushida is like the ultimate baby face, so him interfering in the match is not something I would be super into, but uh, him costing him the match, I'm all right with, depending on how it's done.
1: I just Um, think it's so weird who they've picked to go forward so far, between Cameron, between Damian, between Bronson. I forgot who the other person is. Um... Oh, that's right, Dexter. So Dexter's taken out, and they're taking the spot. So, I mean, for this, it seems like they need someone that's a little bit more uh, aerial. So it would, to me, you would need, like, a Gargano or a Finn
0: Balor to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. I see I keep thinking there's gonna be two because there's two separate matches. So I mean if it's a I would put Finn in there, I guess. I that could
1: I you wish. know, I, I the thing is maybe I am interpreting it wrong. Maybe they're just allowing two people now to be added to it as opposed to one. So maybe we are getting, you know, say Ridge Holland and fucking Finn Balor added to it. I thought that they were trying to this is they're not gonna explain things sometimes, especially when it comes not from Mr. Regal's mouth of you know, there was one person taken out from injury, so now two people are going to replace him, or are they fighting next week? Because TakeOver next Saturday, so they got to fucking wrap this up soon. So are they having two matches and then they're adding another person to it, or are they having a match as the ending of, you know,
0: this tournament, this little mini tournament? I don't even know anymore. So, like, even if they only add one person, that makes it four. five people, four total. Yep. God See, like, I hated this three-way crap even before it happened. <laughs> um, Too much math involved. It's – it's okay. Well, I mean, whatever. I mean, you got to add – I think you're right. You got to either put – I mean, that wasn't the original plan, though. The original plan was to have fucking <laughs>
1: – Loomis, Bronson, Damien, and fucking Cameron.
0: <laughs> so, like, if you're going that route, maybe you do throw Rich Holland in there – Rich, uh, fuck, I keep pronouncing his name incorrectly. Let's just Ridge is a stupid name. Let's just be uh, honest. Yeah, so you throw Ridge in there and, uh, I don't know, like it, give him a good showing and at least then you can do something with him afterwards. So, I mean, it's not going to hurt Finn and, and Johnny that much. And to me, it just would make more sense to have at least one aerial guy that has to overcome the odds, a la Kofi Kingston or any other ladder match that they've ever had, like TLC style, right? So, yep. I, if I was going to pick Finn versus – I mean, unless they're protecting Finn, which having him lose to not make this match is not protecting him. Uh, I mean, I, I most sense to me would be putting Finn there. I think he's a bigger draw at this point than Johnny Gargano. Nothing, not taking anything away from Johnny Gargano, but uh, a lot of people aren't big fans of this uh, weird heel thing he's doing. Yeah, but he's us. also never
1: had the universal title before either. Um, you know – But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Well, we had a a slap-and-meat fight, if you will, with Damian Priest and Bronson Reed. (laughs) Uh, Damian had a win last week, so now this kind of continues, I guess, to add some credibility to the superstars involved in this. uh, Because we had the ending of the match with Priest uh, doing a leaping elbow in the corner. Reed blocks a suplex, but Priest uh, beats on him. Reed blocks another suplex attempt, but uh, Priest keeps pounding. P- Priest tries again, and this time hits the Broken Arrow, but Reed kicks out. Priest stays on top of him, but Reed counters and hits a suplex of his own. They get up and trade strikes in the middle of the ring. Priest with a huge 360 roundhouse kick. Priest goes for a big springboard DDT, but Reed turns that into a power slam. Reed goes to the top for the Tsunami Splash. But Priest uh, moves, and Reed lands hard, barely connecting. Reed avoids the reckoning and turns that into a jackknife uh, pin for the win out of nowhere. Winner, Bronson Reed. After the match, Reed stands tall as a shocked Priest looks on. We go to the replays. Reed stands tall as his music plays. Uh, thanks for telling us that he standing tall twice. Anyways, um... I can't really complain wrestling has been the best one so far lately since UpRocks crapped out. Uh, but yeah, this is a good match between two huge guys. Um, I, I do see upside in both gentlemen, uh, priests, you know, he's tall, but he's pretty, he's kind of lanky for his size. So he was picking up, you know, Bronson Reed at certain points, like it was nothing, which I don't understand how the fuck you could do. The guy's a huge, uh, brick house, So, It was nice seeing Bronson Reed get that win, get a little, like I said, a little bit of credibility. And um, it might be between these two guys in my head of who's going to win that NXT North American title. Whoever's winning next week tournament schmurnament, they weren't involved in this whole situation. This was out of nowhere. So I don't think they're going to automatically give it to them unless fucking Cameron Grimes somehow gets that title. I feel like it's between Damian or Bronson to be the new North American uh, champion. But I could be wrong. But uh, did you see this coming? Did you think that, you know, they've they've been building Damian, uh, but Bronson uh, ended up getting a pretty good win out of nowhere? I uh, thought it was uh, thought it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a pretty good match. I mean, it was probably my second favorite match of the night. Maybe my first. I, I don't know. There's parts of the Kushida Cameron Grimes, the triple threat we're about to talk about that I liked a lot um, in the main event. But there's also some sloppy spots there, too. Um, God, that's tough I don't know which one I liked better But I I really like this match And I like that they're giving Bronson Reed some wins Trying to give him some credibility Heading into uh, into NXT TakeOver I, for some reason, have a gut feeling Damian Priest is going to walk out of this thing As a North American champion Just because they seem to like to put him in feuds with people Makes sense Yeah and I don't think it's a bad choice either. I mean, he's not a bad promo, and he has pretty good matches, and he can win matches by the skin of his teeth, or figure out ways to lose but still retain the title. You can have a, a good person for him to ch- chase, and maybe coming out of this, you get a Bronson Reed, Damian Priest feud. Um, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's necessarily the worst person they could put that belt on if, if that's going to be their mid-card title.
1: But can Damian Priest give Bronson Reed the the razor's edge onto the apron? Let's see if he can attempt that shit. I'm sure they're going to fucking do it during the ladder match.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's probably going to be either Finn Balor or Johnny Gargano based on what we just <laughs> talked about. Or Cameron Grimes. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens both show up and catch it at like multiple times throughout the match. That's probably <laughs> realistic.
1: Oh, God. The El Generico ends up being the mystery guy that's added to this. Anyways, um, we got another video package for Dakota Kai, and NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai for TakeOver. This time is more Shirai-based. Shirai speaks this time mostly in Japanese and says when she looks at Kai, all she sees is a little girl who is terrified of Shayna Baszler. Shirai says Kai is no match for her and will also be terrified of her at TakeOver. Shirai says Kai has pissed her off. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck around with uh, a pissed-off Io Shirai. That was a pretty good... Bringing it back to Shayna Baszler stuff, I forgot about that, you know, before Dakota had this nice little heel turn. She kind of was a pussy for a little while, and Io is basically gonna gobble her up, man. Um, would you want to piss off Io Shirai?
0: No, I have a feeling that she could easily kick my ass, so... Probably not. <laughs> um I like the EO promo. I really did. Um, has a little bit of shades of Oscar as being a dominant champion, and uh, EO's kind of proven that. She, I mean, she's been dominant the past what month and a half, two months or so. So uh, makes sense. We'll. I, I. mean, I hate to say we'll see what happens, but I. I still think that match is a toss up on who you put the belt on. It's just yep. if you take it off EO, you have to assume that she's going to main.
1: That's kind of the same way I view the Keith Lee and um Kross Cross match. Like if Keith Lee loses, you would have to assume he's going up to Raw or SmackDown.
0: You know? Yeah, I mean the only other problem the only problem there is they don't have a baby face that's top guy.
1: I don't know, man. It's gonna be weird how that works out. There's certain matches. That I'm actually happy with AW and NXT, and, and even, you know, for instance, with uh, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, where it's not so fucking obvious who's gonna win. I don't know who's gonna win between Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. I don't know who's gonna win between Randy and Drew. I don't know who's gonna win between uh, Keith Lee and, and Karen Cross. I don't know who's gonna win between FTR and the Young Bucks. I don't know who's gonna win between Cody and, and Brody. And I also don't have any fucking idea who's gonna win between Moxley. And um, and wait, who's Moxley going against? I think I just got to hit him. Yeah. Oh, just, MJF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of those matches, I I know who's gonna win. I don't, you, you know, and that's something that's great that doesn't happen a lot in wrestling anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the only one that I would I would comment on is the Randy Orton one, because I I don't know, I just have a feeling Orton's gonna get that one. Poor Drew. Poor Drew. I feel bad for Drew. I just, I don't think they know how to gauge where he's at as a champion. And it's raw, so it just would, it, it would just seem fitting. They're like, well, we'll put the belt back on Randy, and then we'll have Randy feud with like Edge again, or Rey Mysterio.
1: Or Ric Flair. Yeah. Just <laughs> Might kidding. As well.
0: Shit, why not? I, what, what's Ricky Morton doing That's <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ! <laughs> hey, hey, you look, li- man. You said that
0: you're the legend killer. I'm gonna hurt you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely kind of crazy to think about our childhood and and how these shows used to get moved, especially with like Monday Nitro, which you mentioned earlier. Um, and now we're looking at a situation where AEW is moving, which could be good for NXT um, on Wednesdays, but. We're lining up a situation where AEW is going to be going head to head with Takeover, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, am I crazy on this, Dane?
1: No, no, no. That's that's exactly what I was pretty much saying. Is that uh, AEW will be uh, Dynamite will be the first hour hour will be during the NXT pre show, but the first hour and the last the last hour of AEW and the first hour of Takeover will be at, um, whatchamacallit, at the same time. So that's going to be strange. And then the following week, I guess, with the basketball schedule, they're moving to Thursday night. So there's going to be a couple of those swaps too, but apparently they could only do it on Saturday night. And that happens to be when takeover is going on. So,
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's just scheduling. I don't think it was – I mean, I don't think it was a shot at WWE necessarily, which I saw a lot of people talking about um, Probably online. Not. It's just – hey, basketball's a sport that people really like. <laughs> people watch basketball more than wrestling, it turns out. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fucking very weird situation in general uh, with the scheduling, but we knew this going in. We talked Me and you talked about this on an earlier podcast when they got this uh, TNT schedule which is like what are they going to do because basketball on Wednesday nights at least at the time they had the they had the Shaq pre-show and then they usually have a Wednesday night game. So it would be even different if uh, you know if if covid hadn't happened, we would have already seen this at some point, I would assume as far as the show is getting moved around. Um, which could be good for NXT and aew both because i feel like they cannibalize each other's audiences as far as people watching live you know and that's i was about to ask you that do you think
1: because of this nxt probably more so nxt than aew because i don't think aew is going to leave but if nxt gets a good fucking rating because you're right they cannibalize their audience could they consider saying maybe we should just move to fucking thursday because then we can kill it there. I mean, it would have to be a part of whatever USA does. Well, they, they just do fucking Chrisley, uh reruns, for Christ's sakes, most of the goddamn time. So it shouldn't be that ma- bad to shuffle it. Like, put whatever Miz reality show that's not really reality somewhere else. I mean, you know. But I, I'm just saying, do you think that they would go, hmm, maybe we should do this and we can work on our own ratings? And do you think that they'll have a huge boost like in the 900s because there's no AEW uh, this next week and
0: the week after that. It's going to be tough to say because, like, you still have basketball fans or, or crossover fans with basketball in the NHL, and they're both uh, full force. The NHL is in the playoffs right now, so it's, it's going to be hard to say. I, I think their ratings will be much better than this week's for sure. Um, I don't think they did a good job of building an unopposed show. Giving us matches that we should care about or fans would care about uh, um, to really tune into their product.
1: Still going to be very strange. Um, and should be, I, if I was AEW, I'd be going balls to the wall next week to make a really good program if I'm going head
0: to head with my competition's pay per view, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, you can do that. Set it up on Monday Night Raw. Like, set it up, set blast your social media, give us something that is really unique and really cool, and it can't just be, like, hey, a podcaster is coming on. It's like if me and you showed up to NXT. Like, who gives a shit, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, um, but, like, if you can do something really cool or really fun, like, bring in someone like, like, hey, Sami Zayn is going to be on NXT or something. You know, pull a big surprise. Um, you're unopposed. I, if they did something like that and they had a good match set up and they, they promoted it on Raw or even before – or on Raw in social media, I should say, at this point, which is still weird to me. But uh, if they promoted it properly, you would think, yes, they would get a huge bump because you, you have to think that let's say 100,000 of AEW fans are also NXT fans, just diehard wrestling fans. <laughs> So there's some crossover uh, there, and they're just. <laughs> what was that?
1: I said, us nerdy fucking marks.
0: Yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's others. There's other. There's others out there for sure, right? So it can't just be me and you. We can't just be the two people moving from show to show. Um, but the, the what 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 I was basically getting at is, you would think that you would pick up that audience live because they would rather watch that than hockey. Um, Or the NBA. So who the fuck knows? I, I do know that they did a piss poor job of setting up next week off the last episode of NXT, which we talked about earlier.
1: Yep, I would have to agree with you on that. And uh, yeah, not only that, like I said, I would capitalize if I was AEW, I would set up all the big matches and really go big in social media. Um, leading up to their Saturday show, and if I was NXT, like we were just talking about, i take advantage of it as well and try to build it to... It's the go-home show to your pay-per-view, so you're supposed to have a big show anyway, so usually NXT has a pretty big go-home show, and then their show after the pay-per-view is kind of, like, weaker, like, more of, like, a reflection thing or some shit, so... Um, I'm excited about it, man. I'm, I, I just... They're always going to be head-to-head, but, you know, before AEW came around... NXT was my favorite television show, wrestling product, uh, more so than Impact, MLW, and then AEW came around, and I've always said I love the the show and and the look of AEW, um, and I, I do like a lot of the matches, but I just I, I kind of like the more classic style uh, that complements uh, NXT, but their look kind of is a bit underwhelming. So these shows. I just enjoy them more than Raw SmackDown, I have to say that, and it's kind of getting sad with all the reality, uh, dumb TV show thing, uh, even Impact, I'm starting to enjoy. Because, you know, it's also from a visual level, Chris, when you have a situation where Raw looks like it does right now, and I know that they're, I forgot where they, they, uh, they're, they're going to be having their uh, pay-per-view for SummerSlam. They got a new venue, and they're thinking about renting it out to do episodes there. If they have a Dailies Place style thing, an atmosphere, it's definitely going to help out their product. Uh, but, you know, even though Impact has no audience, and we'll, we'll probably talk about Impact later after the AEW review because I, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff on the show. You know, it's the same fucking setup that I keep on saying. So it's just it's just strange that, you know, I think that because of all this, since NXT already have that look, they're doing really well, and I think that AEW is doing really well, especially since they have the Dailies place. I don't know why I was rambling about that. I'm going to blame it on this energy drink. Try VA <laughs> uh, Energy uh, Pomegranate Blueberry. It's made with green tea and black tea, and it's not
0: bad for you. Oh, That's that's good. At least it's not bad for you. That's that's always a plus. But, uh, man, AEW apparently, if we're talking about – overall look, they had 150 people in the building this week. Um, They're still doing temperature checks, etc., but they're considering this maybe a soft opening for them going back live, Um, whereas NXT just had basically what they've been doing the past five or six recordings or tapings. So so NXT's crowd was definitely very lively. Also, uh, shout out to (laughs) Shout out to to, to to uh one member of SEU, uh Mr. Mr. Kazarian, right? Frank Kazarian is it Frank Kazarian? Why am I fucking his name up? <laughs> yeah,
1: shout out to, to to
0: to Frank. Yeah, he was so, out there. Yeah, he was just sitting there with a uh Killer Kowalski shirt on, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, that's awesome." <laughs> I want that's <laughs>
1: <yeah, laughs> <I'm just like, laughs> If that's supposed to mean something, I was wondering about that, because I kind of forgot about it altogether. Um, It's kind of like when they made a big deal about Tully and Arm being in the uh, audience while uh, uh, FTR was wrestling. Um,
0: So apparently there's been some struggles with SEU on AW Dark, which, as you know, Dana and I try to watch, but it's not something – at least it's not something I keep up with on a weekly basis. But apparently there was a promo – um, trying to separate those teams. I feel like they're, everyone in that group is good enough wrestlers, you put that on your main fucking show, but whatever.
1: Yeah. I I completely agree with you. That's kind of my, my issue, and we were talking about it uh, last week. Um, I think there's certain tag teams that should be working on Dark and getting better because it's their YouTube show, and I think certain other tag teams should be getting more prominent uh, like S.C.U. Like players, or whatever. Uh, more so than than like I, I I really like Private Party. I I like that Matt gravitated to them. I said this last week. They're green though. They they're extremely good. I think they're the next evolution in that Hardy Brothers going all the way back to the Rock and Roll Express type of concept, and I'll come out on uh, the episode tonight. But at the same time, you know I there's certain guys that could use just doing some other stuff i never see the best friends on youtube on the dark show i'm just saying you know why the fuck is this see you on there why was scorpio sky the king of aew dark i didn't know that he had that moniker and it's because i don't have enough time to to watch it i think they're getting better chris they had a package where they broke down you know the tournament the women's tournament um and AEW dark and they talked about it for a second i just think they need more i if i was them for advertisement sakes, so just have a segment. You can have Cody narrate it, you know, and, and, and be like, um, did you think it just ends with AEW dynamite and then plug, you know, show the toys off show uh, that, that heels thing that Brandy's doing, um, you know, and then also mainly say, Hey, this is, this is uh, AEW dark. There are more matches online. We do another show. I'm not saying make it this boring, but like present it and make it look really nice. Show off being the elite, say some of it's for fun. Some of it's uh, part of the storylines, you know, or, or I don't know something like that on those lines that they play every fucking week. Instead of just giving us the standings and, and the results of the matches during a match. I, I, I think they could just, they could build it more and then they would gain more audience on their YouTube stuff. Cause people just don't know about it. Um, or they could be like us where it's like I'll watch it once in a while because that's a lot of fucking wrestling. So I don't know. I, I'm liking Tony Schiavone and Taz as, as a commentating team,
0: though. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I agree with you. I like the commentary team as well. It's why don't they just do a pre-show that recaps almost like a WCW – Was it the Sunday Night WCW where they just do a recap or what Heat used to be, kind of, where it's a recap? Like, 15 15 minutes beforehand to explain to their audience what happened on Dark and maybe entice them to watch it on YouTube. Because, like, the lead-in to AEW Dark, which I actually enjoyed because I fucking love that movie, uh, was Mad Max (laughs) Road of Fury. Right? Is it Road of Fury? Um, Fury Road. Fury Road. There, there it is. I was like, I, I fucking love this it. movie. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you could just start that movie 15 minutes earlier and push some programming back and have a good lead into your wrestling show, which is going to draw way more, you know, viewers than than Fury Road at this point. Um so there's definitely some things they could do and, and that it's it's always been frustrating for us. I, I feel like they some weeks they really try to explain everything that's going on. Um through being the elite or uh yet uh, the uh, dynamite blackout, is it blackout, whatever. The the fucking Tuesday show. Um so they try to explain it to us some weeks, and then other weeks they're just like, yeah, that ha- that you know, that was a show. And then the next week they're like, here's the major program from that show.
1: Yep. I I also think that uh, some people, fans that saw the uh, announcement of the tournament, probably have no idea that it's going on. I mean, I know that they mentioned it, but they were pro- they might have been confused, like, oh, this is fucking starting, because I don't think a lot of people knew that they were going to put it on YouTube at first. So there's also that, especially when, you know, I mean, and and this is I I am hard on them about this because I think that they have found some bigger female stars uh, within their their uh, from what they have now. And we had five minutes of a women's match and a promo from the champion. And that was it. It was a squash match. And I just kind of I, I think that mainly Kenny and Brandy are kind of dropping the ball a bit when it comes to having exposure like why not just have that fucking tag tournament as a part of your programming like do all the matches because it's the same amount of time and you could have kicked off a match with random dark order members against the guys that are definitely going to beat them you know what i'm saying it just seems kind of silly
0: i agree with you 100 percent, but i also am going to sound like an asshole right now um well not me personally but i wonder if there is a like a, an ideology of women's wrestling doesn't really pull viewers. And this is why we're getting like one, you know, one female wrestling match a week because they are doing this head to head demo. God, whatever they're doing. Um, so, and we yeah. haven't even
1: about the perception of the new guy in charge of TNT, uh, replacing the guy that was down and, and ended up helping out a W uh, get Dynamite on, on TNT. So that's also fucking weird. So if this is like kind of what you're suggesting, more of a corporate thing of of realizing that this is not garnishing viewers. But at the same time, you know, Bailey and, 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 and Sasha help the ratings whenever they're on fucking TV. And, and WWE has proven, which is fucking crazy of all things, that women's wrestling actually does do well. And you have, you know, especially with Kenny, people that want to... You know, they're a very progressive company, I would say, with AEW. But I don't know if corporate's getting involved.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I just wonder if, you know, it's a two-hour show. It's very tight-packed. You technically have an hour and 30 minutes worth of wrestling. How do you want to spend that time? Um, And they haven't really built any female stars. But I don't think the way to build female stars is through a weird tag team tournament or throwing them on AEW Dark. Um, you know, the reason that Charlotte was built the way she was or Bailey or Sasha is they were very highlighted on NXT. Yeah. Um, which is an advantage of WWE because they have the WWE network at the time. Uh, but when she came up and won the divas title, they, they pushed her like they made that a highlight of their show and it paid off for them. And I think you could easily do the same thing with Akira if, if you want to, um, or where's Abaddon? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs>
1: she, she made everyone's head turn, you know, when she showed up, and she's not been on anything. And she signed now to AEW. It's just weird.
0: That's yeah. I, also, the missing Rio, I think, hurt way more than they expected, because I yeah. feel like she was probably the most over person in the female division. Nothing against Sheeta or any of the other wrestlers that are in the female division there. It's just if you watch a Rio match, she could fuck up like seven moves and the crowd would still be like, let's go, Rio.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I will say, you know, besides, uh, you know, Big Swole, uh, Ali, obviously Britt Baker, uh, Hikiro Sheeta, um, you know, Nyla. Uh, I always want to say, yeah, Nyla Rose, not Nia Jax. Fuck. Um, you know, they, they're building up some some females that are doing well, and now they have. I don't know. People might not even know this because it was during a tournament. Rachel Ellering's now part of AEW. Eve uh, came back, and she's uh, teaming with Diamante. So I'm hoping Eva will have a presence on the actual you know women's roster. So they're slowly getting there. I just kind of wish they would have a bit more exposure instead of you know it's 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 fine to have a squash match for the champion and it wasn't a complete squash the girl got some offense that she was going against but you know like i said this tournament should have been on the fucking show at least one tag match um i love jungle boy and luchasaurus it just seems like they put the same fucking teams and the same fucking people on the dynamite show and I kind of – I get that strategy, obviously, but it, you know I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, SCU's there. Oh, yeah, fucking uh, – whatchamacallit's there. So it's like I would like to get a little bit of change and variety when it comes to the actual wrestlers. It's not, I'm, say, I'm not saying I don't want to see Jungle Boy and fucking Luchasaurus, not in a tag match, but maybe one week they don't do that. <laughs> you know, And you have one of Scorpio Sky's amazing AEW dark matches on the fucking main product. So we know that he is building instead of just finding out from the commentators. That's all. But I love AEW. I know (laughs) it sounds like I'm bitching, but it's because I want them to be awesome. And I know that they're getting there.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest gap with AEW as far as their female roster goes is uh, Kenny Omega specifically being the booker and the fact they were relying on stardom talent quite a bit. Um, with COVID happening, it, it really did kind of kibosh what they had going on.
1: And now they don't have to beat Priestley because she can't come over here and they just realize it's not going to work. Maybe she'll work for them in the future, but she was definitely a heel. I was personally looking forward to, uh, you know, getting some momentum. I know that there's a whole locker room stuff and, you know, she might have done some heinous stuff, but they could really use a fucking female name like Tessa Blanchard. They really could.
0: Yeah, they they it would be beneficial if they had a big star, or at the very least, could get Riho or Aja Kong or Awesome Kong back. Yep. Um, even for a short stint to inject some life into the female division. I mean, Shit,
1: Alundra looked great. She was at the tournament and she was uh doing a promo. She looks like she can still fucking go. Medusa.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Medusa probably can still go, but she's also like, I'd rather drive a monster truck. That'd be awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> I'm not taking. I'm not taking any more bumps. Only driving monster trucks, and I'm like, hell yeah, Medusa's cool as shit. Me as a child.
1: <laughs> let's, let's let's pay Bolnacano to stop golfing and come back to the squared circle. You know, get some money out. Well, then again, we saw the problem with them
0: being in Japan. So
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: well, like, hey, Nakano comes back and it's like, well, you guys are going to have to go over to Japan to wrestle her, I guess. So The well, Bea Priestley thing is very unfortunate. I hadn't heard about the, the bullying rumors with her because she's always came off as a super sweet person. So maybe I just missed these allegations. Well, the um, allegations
1: themselves, it was more so... Ex-girlfriend of friend of Will Ospreay claimed that he was physically and mentally abusive to her. And because he w- was friends with Will, B and Will treated her like shits in other promotions and blackballed her from going to other promotions. So that was the, the allegations. I, she was like the least a part of it, really.
0: Uh, yeah, with- I remember kind of the Will Osprey stuff, but I, I had forgotten about be a brisley being a part of it i mean fuck you know what if AEW fired her just because she can't work these shows or whatever hey if nxt is looking on looking at someone to jump on and sign a good deal with that would be a fucking good get
1: yep even just for nxt uk if she can't go anywhere they're about to start that back up she could be a dominant person that gets eyes over there like rhea ripley did you know, and uh, other people, uh, Tony Storm, uh, UK's, had, I think a lot of their viewerships, you know, you have your Tyler Bates, your Pete Dunn and stuff like that. But some of the female uh, superstars do really well over there. And she's still completely a part of stardom. So she has that anyways going for her.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think what we've what I've came to the the decision on is we need to get B on for a interview. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing,
1: right? Yeah, I know that you're not listening, but we would love to have you on here to talk uh, wrestling um, and your influence of Chris Jericho and other stuff that I've read about you. So that would be pretty cool. When you get Session Moth on, honestly, that's that's the biggest when it comes to female wrestlers. Why isn't she in
0: AEW or Impact or some shit? She signed a Ring of Honor contract really right as huh? AEW was starting up, so she's part of Ring of Honor. Session Moth is going to be in Ring of Honor, just unfortunately, COVID happened. That sucks.
1: Well, uh, I did not know that, but I, I think she's got charisma for days, so she'll be fun. I think they might not want to put her in WWE, because if John Cena ever, ever comes there, then she, he might have to get a restraining order on her, but that's, you know, that's... Here. A,
0: it's a whole different set of allegations if John Cena shows up at any of these shows where Session is involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, just all of a sudden, like he goes into his locker room and she's there with a giant smile. And he's like, uh, I don't know what to do, Nikki. Oh, shit. I can't do that anymore.
0: <laughs> it was visible. It was just so amazing that forever she was trying to get him to follow her on Twitter. And when he finally did, the the amount of excitement and happiness. That's <laughs> is, awesome. Is one of the greatest things I've ever seen as far as like carrying over a wrestling gimmick into the Twitter land.
1: Well, kind of another thing, uh, Twitter related, if you will, um, that I just remembered since we're about to talk about AEW and we're going to talk about Impact later. Ethan Page just put up on his on his Twitter the date that he's done with uh, Impact. I don't know what that means. I mean, this guy has never uh, before in the past with Evolve and stuff like that had a problem doing shit like this. I thought his relationship was good. Maybe he's doing that to try to get a raise, obviously. I don't know what's going on with Josh Alexander, his ta- tag partner, uh, as a part of the North. Um, but Cody... Uh, you know, right afterwards, shared a picture of, of Ethan showing off his new physique. He's lost a shit ton of weight and put on a lot of muscle as of recently. And Cody has said in the past that he knows that he's a part of impact, but that's one of the stars that, you know, he potentially has been looking at, um, just honestly, when it comes to uh, Q and a's. So I really, and I mean, it's only been a short amount of time that I've been paying attention to him. I kind of knew him as a wrestler because he was at indie events before in the past that I was at. And, um, you know, I've seen him wrestle here in Georgia as a part of those style events. Actually, the same event that – what the hell are their names? Oh, the Lucha Brothers got asked to be a part of AEW from Matt and Nick Jackson. Um, So he's been on the map and the radar for a while. Um, I've seen him in documentaries, a little bit of his stuff in Evolve. Um, I just think that he is a tremendous talent. Now, I, 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 I've I had this weird obsession, Chris, recently. I've been watching a lot of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and, I, and specifically when the Four Horsemen were dominant the most. Um, and I have to say, especially since he's still doing promos the same exact way, the intensity and the anger that he brings in his promos remind me a lot of Tully Blanchard. And uh, I think that he could be a big contributor – And if they get Josh, if they have the North, that's another huge tag team that they could eventually have. So January 1st, his contract's up. Do you think that he'll stay at impact for some more money, or do you think that AEW will pick him up? And what do you think of all-ego Ethan Page, Chris?
0: You're a little higher on Ethan Page than I am. I think he is a good performer. My only worry with AEW scooping up a lot of the talent they have is how do you utilize them on a two-hour show? For instance, they just signed Matt Cardona. He had this match with uh, Cody Rhodes, and he was off television this week. Yeah, I agree on that part. So that's part of the problem. Um if you can come in and make it, or Brian Cage, for instance, is another example. Which I understand why they're keeping him off TV. They're trying to protect him a little bit, but we we are seeing this, right? Yeah.
1: If you get too much talent, and the thing is, beforehand, I'm assuming they wanted to garnish enough people for two shows because they wanted that second TNT show. But now, because of COVID and also the change in direction of the management, Within, you know, the people that were in control of this, the executives, like I said, the one that got fired that was the one that greenlit and talked to Tony Khan about this show, you know, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna be like it when the Time Warner merge happened and all of a sudden those executives didn't want fucking TNT to have wrestling on it, regardless. And also they had a bad product at that time. But it is kind of frightening. Will they get that second show? Because the fact that we always see who we see, um, it's kind of annoying, and you're right, Matt Cadona, you know, Brian Cage. There are a lot of people that have Scorpio Sky that we don't get to see on a weekly basis that they probably wanted to put in that second TV show, and I wonder if it's in jeopardy.
0: I would think that the second TV show is not in jeopardy just because they, I mean, losing 200,000 viewers or whatever from where they were when they signed that second TV deal, I'm assuming that's still going to be a thing. They're still going to put that out come just because the uh, the end date was december right of when they wanted to start start that up um so i think you take everything and look at it and you still get two tv shows but that is a long way out that would be my only concern for someone like ethan page is it's he's just going to be easy to get lost in the wash of Hey, we have a lot of new wrestlers that we're trying to get over at the same time, and specifically our tag team division is going to take up the majority of the show. Um, I, if I'm Ethan Page and I think I can be highlighted on Impact and make similar money, I would probably stay at Impact.
1: Yeah. I get it, but I will definitely take him if he does go there, especially... I mean, I think that he will be fine as a singles competitor, but he might get lost in the shuffle, like you're saying. But if the North were to be there, that would be a great heel team for them to utilize, um, you know, on their product. But one last thing before we uh, go actually into AEW, let's talk about this tournament. I just want to talk about the last matches and the potential of uh, what's going to be, you know, who's going to win it. So I think I'm pretty sure... That All Out is going to be the, the final match. But as of right now, the two semifinal matches, we have Lise and Diamante going against uh, Anna Jay and the new newly signed another person uh, that left NXT, uh, Ty Conti. And then Big Swole and Little Swole uh, going against the Nightmare Sisters, so Allie and Brandy. Um, I'm hoping that... I have a feeling that the Nightmare Sisters are going to be in the, the finals. And if they win it, I'm going to roll my eyes 600 fucking times. Uh, but I'd like to see Nightmare Sisters against Ivelisse and Diamante. And I want to see Ivelisse and Diamante actually take it. So they might lose right to Ana and j and uh, Ty Conti. But that's what I want. If it was Big Swole and Little Swole against Ivelisse and Diamante, that would be the best match. But I feel like the the Nightmare Sisters are definitely going to be at least one of those teams uh, in there at the end. What do you think, Chris? I'll send you a
0: picture right now so you have some reference. So I I for whatever reason I feel like they're just going to push Big Swall because it leads into the end pay per view right. match, right? Yeah. Unless unless the finale is on this, so I could see Big Swall's team being in the finals and uh Lee's. Her tech team, I can't think of both competitors' names right now, unfortunately. Yeah, Diamante. I think think they both looked great, so having that as a final would be pretty good. And I feel like there's other things that you could do with the, let's say, the Nightmare Sisters, because the idea is that they're not good friends anyways, so that's an easy loss. They could just disagree on something, because the idea is they don't get along. For the most part, and Dustin Rhodes is their manager, right?
1: Yeah. And so they're the referee between the two of them. So, and he's back. Um, what call it? Uh, fuck, QT Marshall, back from COVID.
0: Yeah. So I think there's stuff you could set up. I mean, you could set an intergender tag match up. There's there's other things you could do with those two. With Brandy, she's being with Cody. She's always gonna kind of get a rub in general. Um, so it's not really going to hurt anyone. The only person that's really going to hurt out of there is the bunny. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, if it was me, <laughs> I, the I was...
1: <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I don't, right. I want to, you know, I don't want someone to lose their job and there's a lot of stuff involved with the whole Excalibur thing, but I don't really miss them at the same time having Taz, Tony
0: Schiavone, and Jr. Can I don't want that? the guy... After researching this, I don't want the guy to lose his job either. Apparently, this was a storyline that was worked, obviously not conceived very well.
1: Apparently, uh, the Human Tornado's idea. He was the one who was promoting this concept, but still, it's like... Still doesn't look good either, but it was also from, what, fucking 20 years ago?
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, there's other reasons I don't like Excalibur, <laughs> so. Well, do you miss him?
1: That's what I'm asking you. Do you, do you miss
0: him at all, having the commenting team that we have? Not really, but <laughs> some, some people really love the play-by-play, and I think he does do a good job at, yeah. of the play-by-play. I think they should give a shot back to the guy um, who was originally going to be their play-by-play guy that they got rid of who was basically kind of a wwe clone i can't think of his name right now but he was bit he was kind of like a todd phillips or a michael cole um if you remember very very early beginning of AEW. i can't well, think of his name one guy, life. one
1: guy one uh, guy from the beginning that was supposed to be an announcer alex marvez who does the uh the things in the back i've actually i never thought i would Want to see Charlie interview someone more so than fucking Alex Marvez? He's terrible. I'm sorry. I don't want. I don't want to be a dick, but every time he's on, it's like you got all this fucking crazy shit going on in the background. <laughs> Shit's old. Well, I forgot which scene. Well, I'll remember it when we get there. But he was just like, oh no, that ha, blah blah blah. Oh, it was when Matt Hardy was beating up the ref, and he goes, Matt, that's blah blah blah. I'm like, oh my god, someone fucking just put electricity in this guy. <laughs> jolt his ass
0: up sorry sorry alex maybe that was who i was thinking of. Was alex marva fathead as jericho would call him <laughs> um it's
1: like you got dasha there
0: what the fuck uh, the actual answer is tony shivani should move into that interview position and yes. you i mean fuck it whatever run jr and taz a worst case scenario is just going to be hilarious. I love the stuff between so. the three of them. It's like
1: when Taz makes it so funny, especially like when Tony gets on his ass and he's like, "Hey, Tony, don't don't get hot, all right?" Jesus, I forgot what he said to Taz. Uh, I think they talked. To, they made reference to like an old old match, and he's like, "Oh, oh, it was Luchasaurus," and he said he said something about he's been wrestling since BC, and he goes, "JR, you were fucking there," or something like that. Jared's like his ass. <laughs> so,
0: so funny. If, if they're looking for a play-by-play guy and they, you know, they don't want to can... go the... That's exactly what I was going to say. If you don't want to go the Excalibur route... And he worked with two of them for extensive amount of years. <laughs> exactly. And then he can move Tony. He can go on and off like he was doing beforehand as your backstage inter- interview guy. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to take... Marvez's job or anything. I'm not trying to be a dick to this
1: nope, dude. No. we're saying Excalibur, you gotta go. Marvez, you gotta go.
0: <laughs> uh, Sorry, has, just, ha, hashtag Dane 42 on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't actually mess. I'm not scared of Alex Marvez, but Excalibur, I don't know what the fuck he's capable of. I don't even know what his face looks like.
0: Well, I mean, the last person that pissed off Excalibur got knocked the fuck out. Where's Where's Jimmy Havoc right now, by the way? <laughs> let's, let's talk about oh, this. He's
1: fired, man. He got fired <laughs> along with um, the, the, or let go, whatever. Jimmy's never coming back, so he can go back to Britain and do his weird shit over there um, wherever they accept him.
0: Really sucks for Kip Sabian. That was like the only reason he was getting on the ship.
1: Well, now he can be, uh, you know, uh, his his beautiful uh, fiance's uh, manager.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw him. He had a sign on AEW, which we'll get to later. He had he had his own little sign that was his well, gimmick.
1: <laughs> why don't we get into AEW because we're rambling right now, like rambling rabbit. <laughs> uh, all right. So the week this week's uh, show opens up with an extended video package as Tag Team Appreciation Week is here. With tonight's special. AEW Dynamite Tag Team Appreciation Week hosted by FTR, um, The Young Bucks, Rock and Roll Express, and Arnon and Tully. Uh, after the elaborate video opener, we shoot inside Daly's Place where Pyro goes off and Jim Ross welcomes us to this week's show on commentary. And we start off with, I think, the better of the two tag matches on the show. I mean, like, like Tony, I think, was the one who brought up, no, it was Taz, the Young Bucks and, and and the Dark Order before was the Smash Brothers at PWG have been wrestling for years. So they have great chemistry. And they had a pretty damn good match, man. Uh, the end of it, Chris would bring the Dark Order, was taking charge of the match, and uh, Action was getting out of hand with the Dark Order getting Matt Jackson lured out of the aisleway uh, where the match... Uh, unofficially started before the ring, and then they blo- they they blocked him off from being able to come in there. So Nick looked like he was in peril with uh, Evil Uno. Then Taz says by the skin of his teeth, Nick Jackson avoids a fatality attempt by Uno and Grayson, and with Grayson too far away to get them, Nick reverses and hits Uno with a nice counter. He covers him and gets the three or the three right as Grayson leaped over to attempt to break the pin. The Young Bucks with a nice win in the opener of AW uh, Tag Team Appreciation Week. Uh, yeah, and then afterwards, the Young Bucks celebrate their victory. Uh, we shoot to a backstage segment. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman is shown uh, with his entourage, uh, and he looks arrogant as ever, telling the, uh, the, the the girl to smile more when she's already smiling, um, and then when she starts talking, telling her to basically shut up, talk when talk to, <laughs> and also... The the one guy that that he was bitching at about the picture, kind of like got like he was walking like right with him, and MJF said get out of my shot and just push him against the wall. So just an arrogant prick as ever. Um, but I like the tag match, Chris. Um, I love that fucking move, man. Where I I, I don't know if it's the fatality or if it's something else where. Evil Uno does the the cannonball at the same time that Stu Grayson does the 360 off the top. It always looks pretty fucking impressive when they do it. And I'm, I'm dude, I'm, I'm actually I'm down with them as a tag team. I'm down with Brody. The whole Dark Order kind of not so much. They've gotten better though as of lately, and at least they're not Antifa members. Um, <laughs> <God> damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: Fuck what, me. What, what what did you think? What did you think? Of the uh, the tag match, um, and what do you think about MJF's little segment to uh, get to his promo that we'll talk about in a second?
0: I thought this is a very good tag match. The only thing I would have done different is I would have found a way for Evil Uno and Stu Grayson to win, um, just because the Young Bucks feud doesn't involve chasing the tag titles, really. So. Um, yep. Outside of that, I thought it was a good match. I love, uh, I love, I don't know. I, once again, I don't know the move name either, but it's the it's the cannonball and the, uh, is the 450. I think he hits a 450, right? It just looks so yep. cool. But that should be the fucking finish. Like it should. <laughs> like that should be your finisher, not a signature move. So three weeks in a row, we've seen that as a signature move and not the finish. Like, how is that not the finish? It's the most impressive thing. I mean, it's the most impressive thing you're going to see in the entire match in general from that tag team. And that's not the finish should be the fucking finish. (laughs) Evil Uno, just Kevin Owens to dude. And then you get this awesome high spot from Grayson. That should be the fucking finish. So, um, but outside of that, I mean, this match was very clean. Uh, not, if you're a huge Young Bucks fan, you didn't get every spot that they're going to do ever. It's kind of a shorter match. But uh, I liked it. I, I thought this match was was pretty good. A, a very good opener.
1: Yep, I agree. All right, so... Oh, and what did you think about MJF being a dick bag uh, in the hallway? Forgot to ask you about that.
0: I liked it. It it carried over into the promo, where he's like, Smile more! <laughs> or whatever. He's so
1: easy to hate, man. He's so fucking easy to hate. There's not a lot of people where it's like... <sighs> we all know wrestling's at work, but the believability is there that, like... Oh, it's a work, but he's probably a fucking douchebag in real life.
0: I mean, I'm gonna get shit when we go to this promo later on because there was an entire part of the promo that I did not get at all. Um, so we'll we'll make our way there.
1: All right. Sounds uh sounds sexy. All right. So the the announce team starts breaking down uh, what's going on at all out, um, and also. You know, we'll be going for the rest of AEW Dynamite. They cut to a video where uh, it's presented that different uh, tag teams are going to say their favorite tag team. And we get Backstage, Hangman Page, and Kenny Omega. Um, The reigning AEW champions who are scheduled to defend those titles against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy of Jurassic Express later tonight uh, as part of Tag Team Appreciation Week. After they talk amongst themselves for a brief moment about who is the best Kenny decided to go with the young bucks without like letting Adam say anything pretty much. And uh, Adam was like, well, I was going to go with us. And Kenny was like, we're just two singles guys put together in a team. So obviously still this, this thing's, you know, we had that milk and whiskey fucking shot thing going for a while, but I think they're going (laughs) that Kenny and him are not on the same Adam page, but I'm, I'm just kidding. That was terrible. Um, and I don't know, man. I'm just going to say flat out they're definitely messed. They might be not doing anything, but they're all talking about this, the whole new faction coming out of this. I don't think it's going to be exactly the horseman or anything like that, but it looks like Tully might be in charge of it. Um, you know, beforehand, Chris, I thought it was Cody. I think it's a good idea for it not to be Cody. I think that it's, he's actually better as a baby face, you know, in all, all things considered. And then I thought maybe MJF would be the leader. But it seems that they're keeping him single. I never thought of a possibility of Kenny being the leader and possibly it being, at first at least, him, FTR, and uh, Sean Spears. Um, And then you have the potential for when the champions go against, you know, uh, FTR, if they were to lose, it being Kenny not taking the tag and basically jumping down and letting Adam Page get beat by the now heels and – They kind of swerved us thinking that Paige was going to be involved in this, you know, this whatever with them. Um, But Kenny's actually the one in charge. Someone brought that up recently, and I was like, that's very intriguing because what if he's the mastermind behind all this if they do go that route? And what did you think about his reaction about saying the Young Bucks and and, and Paige being like, really?
0: Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Paige is like, we're the current champions. These are active wrestlers. If he would have said like Terry Funk and Dory Funk, Adam Page has been like, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. <laughs> He's like the Young Bucks. He just fucking looked at him. It was great. It was a great reaction by <laughs> Page on that um, and good and, and good setup by Kenny. I like that idea. I like Kenny Omega turning hill. I, I think that's what he needs in this company, honestly, to really shift shift him into uh, another gear um i think maybe the original idea every time i feel like they have an original idea it revolves around adam page but he just keeps getting more over every time he's on screen and they book him as such a strong baby face it's really hard to hate this guy he's like i'm just helping a guy out because he's got a broke leg and then i'm gonna show back up and beat the shit out of all these bad guys and they're going to beat me five five versus one. I mean, he's basically the fucking sting of AEW.
1: I would with- say it's, it's like Cody has with Adam, and I think I said this way, way in the past, but Adam was nowhere near as over, um, is, is kind of what Magnum was maybe to Dusty as far as Dusty seeing such a potential baby face in him. And I know for a fact from interviews, Cody's very high on Adam page and none of us really saw it. And he's done it himself pretty well, getting himself over to that level.
0: Oh, well we talked about that. I mean, partially that's not his fault because the built-in storyline was him versus, uh, uh, why can I think a former cruiserweight two Oh five live champions name? Um, oh, yeah, the bastard pack, <laughs> uh, you know, that storyline kind of got canceled, and they had to redo whatever they were doing. But as soon as they gave this guy an opportunity on the mic, he took it with the cowboy shit. They started the little bit of the drinking gimmick, which is not – I mean, to be fair, he's not drinking as much as Austin was with, like, four beers at one time. <laughs> yeah, but also to be fair, Austin
1: showed, showed up with beers and half it went on his shirt. He's showing up with fucking whiskey just straight in the glass. <laughs> That's a goddamn <laughs>
0: Oh, I oh, I hope the actual answer is they sign James Storm and Adam Page and James Storm are a tag team cuz fuck, oh <laughs> fucking fucking great.
1: Call cowboy shit, just like censor it or whatever with X's. It, if you
0: really if you really care about tag teams, this is what the world wants. James Storm and Adam Page riding horses down to the ring. They could do the
1: same picture. And, but instead of Kenny doing the, uh, whatchamacallit, the knee to the back of the head, just have James Storm fucking
0: super kick him. You know? Jeez, so instead of Kenny actually doing work, <laughs> or instead of, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to be like, what? I don't know what that finisher is. It's like, it's so off-putting, it looks bad. It looks like it's like it sucks.
1: Like, that. how the hell do you... Make that so it's not painful. You're getting clotheslined one way
0: in the fucking back at the same time. Well, I mean, because Kenny never actually hits the guy.
1: Yeah, he kind of sidesteps it, hits down, makes it look.
0: Yeah, well, he does the leg slap that Jim Cornette loves, or whoever, who was a Randy Orton that got pissed off about that. It's like what do you want him to do like put his knee through this dude's back or <laughs> some hey. of his shit. It's so ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, like Adam Page was definitely a surprise. As people who've listened to this podcast, I was very down on him. And I guess uh, I'm still very down on the theme music, though. So old listeners, that theme music still does suck. It got over with
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> did it? It's like the Cowboy's coming, man. You got like the <laughs> fucking stupid ma- m- uh, background music you would have in the Red Dead Redemption playing
0: like, after you did something cool. I'm down. Yeah, but that music's fucking better. They should have just hired those dudes. Like... (laughs) (laughs) You know what I wondered? Not that their music's
1: bad, but since Jim Johnson no longer works for WWE, why didn't they call him immediately and be like, hey, can you do our theme music for all these guys? Unless he didn't want to do it. Oh, I mean... I mean, he made Austin's theme music, he made The Rocks, he made Jericho's, he made... No, Hulk Hogan was made by Jimmy Hart. And... Uh. But
0: I know. could be I could be wrong on this, but um he has a lot of writer credits on those original CDs. So even when he was working for them, he had made a lot of money. So maybe he was just like, now I want to actually go play music. Yeah, <laughs> and that's... write wrestling theme songs. <laughs> Red Heart Man, fuck, that's one of my favorites. One of my favorite things uh, as far as wrestling themes go, and this is going to go off into a a little tangent, not a long one, but uh, I was reading a Playboy interview when I was like 14 or 15 about Simon Cowell, the American Idol guy, right? Um, He was one of the producers that got behind doing those theme song CDs and putting those out for sale. And that's how he kind of made his nut originally. Wow, I didn't know that. It's kind of crazy, but it happens. So Simon Cowell's like, you know what? People like wrestling. We should do wrestling theme music. He didn't say it was good or that he loved it. But he's fucking sure as fuck put it out on CD.
1: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's let's uh, get back to this. So we return from the break. We see MJF standing at the podium with his campaign crew, all whom are standing on a red carpet that is laid out in the ring. There's an American flag in the background and also an AEW flag on the opposite corner. Uh, Very political-looking setup this week for uh, old MJF. Like, no duh, Mr. Ryder. Anyways, um, MJF asks us, to use the following hashtags on Twitter, Instagram, and other social media platforms, uh, hashtag MJF2020, hashtag NotMyChampion. MJF's assistant, Nina, is then introduced, and she shows the poll numbers for a- MJF and Jon Moxley ahead of their scheduled AEW World Championship match uh, coming at AEW All Out. Uh, Friedman then goes into a rant, about Dictator John, which is what MJF is referring to Moxley as throughout his promo. He talks about how Moxley is only kind to wrestlers who are willing to look at the lights for him. MJF stops his speech and then lays down. He lays on his back and asks Moxley if this is better now that he's laid out for him. He taunts Moxley for a while, talking trash to him while he continues to lay on his back. This lasts for several moments as MJF uh, talks about Moxley needing uh, to fork the keys over to him, someone who is better than him, and he knows it. He says John knows, he knows, and folks watching at home knows uh, we deserve better. finishes up with that comment and then sits up uh, only to immediately hear the theme song for AEW world champion John Moxley, MJF instructs his campaign crew to run around Daly's place amphitheater through the various spots uh, in which Moxley would come out of the crowd as M- MJF watches and yells further instructions uh, we see Moxley coming out for the first time pretty much through the ramp and he jumps in the ring. I mean he just swings on MJF and he you know gives him the paradigm shift and leaves him laying and just casually strolls out while the whole entire you know group, of people, uh, whatchamacallit, it? Uh, his entourage and Wardlow get in the ring, check on MJF, who's knocked out, and John goes backstage and he starts cutting a promo. You can actually see their gris- gorilla position and Tony Khan just kind of chilling, looking in frame, watching the, uh, the interview, though. I thought that was kind of funny. But I mean, Moxley is pretty captivating and, uh, he just is going to, he's going to beat his ass, basically, is what, uh, He said, and that uh, my my only issue with this. I feel like it would have been a cool like just a little bit extra if Wardlow and two of the other guys charged backstage, since obviously Moxley's right the fuck there cutting, you know, an interview. So before he grabs the microphone to do this, like he waits for him and he, he waits for him to come back and then he jumps both of them stone cold beats the shit out of all of them throws one of them, and then grabs the microphone and, you know, would have – it just – that that kind of was like, why didn't anyone go after him? But that's stuff that you kind of have to get over. But I thought out of all of his promos, MJF's on target. I was confused a bit about some of the stuff that he said involving looking up at the lights. I don't know if that was a reference maybe, Chris, to implying that I guess Moxley, you know – like the whole Hulk Hogan, Jeff Jarrett laying down, like, like he's pushing his weight. I, I, I was really confused. Or he's paying off the people to beat him. I, I, didn't know where he was really going with that. But I am looking forward to this. This is, uh, this is, this is fun. I think they're both great characters. So, what did you think about this uh, promo?
0: I am glad that you were also confused on what the fuck he was doing laying down in the center of the ring. I'll say that. The rest of the promo was fine. As soon as you laid down in the center of the ring and start going off on that. And I will say, you know, shout shout out to the Dark Knight. Just taking some lines. Um, I guess the joke was about how he had to lose repeatedly in WWE to get out of his contract. Is that an ongoing theory with this? I didn't think
1: of that. Like I said, I thought it might be that he's he's pushing himself to win the matches. That would be kind of exposing stuff. Like I was thinking, like the Jeff Jarrett Hulk Hogan thing, where Jeff just. Said, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense though.
0: I guess the the half shoot work promo with MJF to me is going to get old very very quickly. Um, I like Moxley's promo at the end, which is basically like I'm gonna fuck you up. And I like the aftermath on Twitter where uh, MJF hired a lawyer and started a change.org petition to get the paradigm shift banned, (laughs) which is great. It's always good when a move gets banned. The only problem is they've shown that Moxley can rip someone's arm off versus when they did it with – I mean, this is a Kevin – nash storyline where they banned the power bomb, right so he couldn't power bomb anyone it's very wcw but uh I, I like the feud i mean i'm looking forward to the match it'll be interesting to see mjf and moxley work a match together and uh as far as what you were saying about like you know them going back back to the back if the end goal is to have Wardlow versus MJF at some point down the line, they have to still protect the guy to some extent. So it makes sense that he was just like a bumbling idiot here.
1: Yeah, he kind of look like Joseph Park on uh Smackdown.
0: <laughs>
1: Can't wait to talk about that. Um so we have interview with Matt Hardy backstage um Hard to talk briefly in a little segment and and promises he's going to end Sammy. He sees someone walking by. He even said he kind of went in and out of his different characters saying stuff. But it's like he's 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 pissed. He's he's done with the shit. They saw a referee walking by, you know, with a uh, same kind of jacket and hat set up uh, only from behind. Thought it was Sammy. Started beating the shit out of him. This is what I was talking to you about. Um, You know, and then Alex Marvez referenced the fact that it was one of the referees and then asked him, are you sure you're okay? And then we went back to Jim Ross and Taz and Tony talking about how Matt's a a little bit off from this whole thing. So I like this. I like aggressive Matt Hardy. This is interesting, Chris. Him and Sammy should have a good match, too.
0: I don't like that he came out and said that he was just going to be Matt Hardy from now on and no longer do any of these other gimmicks.
1: I kind of get it, though. He's just saying without the audience, it's just too fucking weird. You know? So he's going
0: to... So maybe I misread it because I thought he was just like, I'm never doing broken Matt Hardy again. And I'm like, why? Why would you not do one of the best gimmicks in wrestling ever?
1: When I heard him in an interview, he just said that, you know, it just it kind of sucked because he was hoping to have everyone screaming delete, delete, you know, in this giant, you know, arenas. And he said that he has to put it on a break right now because he thinks that it's it's a, a gimmick that needs an audience, basically.
0: I agree with him in that well, the thing that got him over wasn't the audience, it was the the vignettes they did in TNA. So I agree, but also tend to disagree with him uh, to some extent. Would you agree to disagree with him? I agree to disagree with him. Rebbe, please don't at me on Twitter. I love you. I'm sorry. I love the I love all of the Hardy family. <laughs> they are. <laughs> He, um, so I don't, originally I thought he did a blade job, but going back and watching this thing a bazillion times, he did legitimately get fucked up by that chair, right?
1: Oh, yeah. He definitely did. I watched the slow motion thing. You you can see where it clipped him. It just was, uh, apparently, like I said, I think it was Jericho said that there was two chairs there and for some reason, Sammy couldn't find the one that he was supposed to use. So he grabbed... You know, one of those chairs. You, you can see it. It's like with the they're much heavier. They have like the nice like little cushion on the ass. And he just fucking lobbed that at him, and at the top of it just clipped his head. Fucking that much weight behind it, so he got pretty concussed, I think, from the whole thing too. Why he had yeah it, it,
0: a while. I mean, it it sucks for sure, um, but it makes did sense. Did you see? Shit. <laughs> it made. It's Sammy with the white pants with blood and all his shoes and pants did look like a fucking badass. So, if that wasn't the plan, then it should have been the plan. Just like
1: Nia fucking up Becky, man. Those make moments sometimes, even accidents.
0: Yeah, it just sucks that it does seem like Matt is super pissed off at him, even on those Twitter, because he did his own Twitter promos after that. Um, it's cool feud. I mean, Matt's a professional. He's gonna have go out there and have a match, whether he's pissed off at this guy or not. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Sammy catches a fucking receipt very soon. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I like I like the promo. Okay. I don't know how I I like pissed off Matt Hardy, but it's at the same time it's just so weird because. All of his characters, like he's doing basically the Hardy, the Hardy boy character of himself. When you create these personalities where you have three or four different personalities, it'd be like if uh, dude love got concussed and then he came back and he was just dude love.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, um, but we'll have to find out. Uh, we The next match, I think, was, it might have been my favorite out of, I can't, um, I know we just talked about it, but I can't recall NXT for the life of me, which was my favorite match on that, but this was definitely up there. Awesome match with Scorpio Sky and Cody. Um, just very back and forth, man. I really like Scorpio Sky. Like I said, I didn't know, because I've watched a couple of them recently, And I think coincidentally he was on it, but I didn't know he's been – he's on like a win streak on AEW Dark because it's on AEW Dark. But I'm not going to get into that whole thing again. But, you know, finally he called out Cody. They set up a door frame and like a fake wall, and he literally busted the door down like he said he was going to do. I thought that was kind of funny, but like not too cheesy, but, you know, kind of cheesy at the same time. But I love Scorpio Sky, man. I, I love underdogs, you know. You know, kind of like how I like mystic characters and shit like that, I'm also a big fan of the underdog wrestler, your Daniel Bryans, your Diamond Dallas Pages, your Kofi Kingstons, your Mick Foley's. You know, the guys that you would, you you know, people just kind of doubt them. And then I think eventually Scorpio Sky is going to have one of those titles, if not both. Um, I actually i am going to make a bold prediction. I think Scorpio Sky will be the first Grand Slam champion. I think he'll hold all three titles first. Or I'd like to see that happen. But um, they had a damn good match. Uh, the ending of it, which there were several spots that I really liked, especially the one where he did the, uh, he does that jumping over uh, Diamond Cutter, uh, and he did it to the outside. So basically him doing that, fuck Cody up, but when he dragged him inside, he couldn't get the three count. Cody, he got out of the crossroads. He, 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 one of the first people that I can think of that kicked out of a crossroads and the ending, he kind of tried to set up uh, that, that diamond cutter inside the ring, and Cody kind of grabbed him, turned him around, reversed it, and put him in the crossroads. Um, I did not know this, but Cody said that's a little nod to uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Sting, the Scorpion Death Drop, but he just twists it and drops him on their head. I did not know that. I should have known that, though, since he's such a mark for Sting. And I am, too! <laughs> Anyways, great match. Um... But kind of got upstaged by the promo afterwards with uh, with Brody Lee. I like this concept. Don't get me wrong. I don't know what you do with Brody Lee. Like, does he finally take it? Like Scorpio legitimately to me so far out of anyone could have been that guy that t- took that belt off of him tonight. And I would have been like, that's awesome. Cody had a good run. That's a good person to go with. Brody's on that level for different reasons. And if he loses, that means he lost to Moxley for the main title, and he lost to Cody for this title. So I'm I don't know how I feel about that, but it was like Scorpio they didn't even get to do it, like a handshake or anything like that that happened right afterwards and Scorpio went in the back to get ready for probably another AEW Dark. And I hope that's not the case. That's the only thing. So what do you think about this match? What did you think about um you know Scorpio Sky in general and what he's doing uh, in AEW? And uh what do you think just, you know, with uh Brody Lee uh, being the next person to go against Cody?
0: I don't think it was the best match of either of the athletes involved. So, like Cody or Scorpio Sky, this is not their best match. But it was a good match. Um, As far as Scorpio getting the title, I think that's down the line still. They have to break up SEU. I almost feel like they're going to bring back in Eddie Kingston after the promo he cut to take the title off of him.
1: I'm down for that too, actually. Which
0: I mean, it's going to, I, I mean, the feud is going to be Kazarian versus uh, Scorpio sky. Scorpio sky is just there. They, they even kind of told us that with the end shot, like I said, with the killer Kowalski shirt on, which shout out to Kazarian, the killer Kowalski shirt. The shit's awesome. Well, you know, just um,
1: one of the last students of Kowalski. Right?
0: Yes, yes. Which makes it even more fucking awesome. But um It's that that's a weird one with Cody and I don't know where they're going with this character because like his whole crew surrounds the ring and then Scorpio Sky's gotta like in theory fight him for and five other people coaching Cody. The the other route you could go is the Matt Cardona route, but that would be a, a longer build. Uh, you got to give Cardona some strong wins to the point where he's like, hey, you know, it's a nice title. I'd like to have that. So we'll see where they go. But I, honestly, I mean, at this point, with what they had with Eddie Kingston after that promo, I didn't necessarily like the match as much as other people did, but the promo itself was great and if you're going to have someone take the belt off of them and you just do a straight match with eddie kingston there's no gimmicks and he wins somehow um that's, that's a pretty fucking good feud
1: yeah what do you think about brody no possibility of him winning
0: <sighs> no <laughs> i liked brody's promo I like Brody in general, but I, I, I feel like they're kind of just transitional. They treat them a little bit like Legion of Doom, where they're just kind of there as annoyances to bigger characters. And also,
1: how do you feel about
0: using TikTok? I don't know if you should be doing that, since
1: that's uh, definitely been the uh, motto for Mr. Carrying K- Cross since Impact. thought that was kind of weird. He said, TikTok, your time is up, Cody, basically, if you didn't remember.
0: Well, I mean, John Cena's been sending that shit for years, dude, so. Well, there you go. Can't All right. see me. My time is now. Uh, we no, had- it was weird. It was It was weird just because it was definitely just a shot at NXT. And it's from a guy that doesn't
1: have a similar, but it is kind of similar at the same time, you know, type of demeanor to him. But, hey, whatever. Uh, Private Party was asked who their favorite tag team was. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like they have to say Matt and Jeff. They can't really say the Hardys. I don't know if they were able to say that. Uh, they referred to him as Matt and Jeff later on, but we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, that, that makes fucking sense. I mean, that's what JR says. That makes a lot of sense. So I agree, JR. And then we had a match with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy going against the AEW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, Hangman page and um, Kenny Omega I got to say there was there was some sloppiness to this match um and I did not like the involvement of Marco stunt he was getting on my fucking nerves and it was like get him off the fucking apron I also still don't understand why baby faces are doing heel shit uh, sometimes so that's that's one thing that that annoys me he's he looks like a child um Even though he's not, it's kind of weird. Anyways, so the ending of the match, um, Hangman is by himself on his knees while Jungle Boy blasts him with his stiff kicks. Luchasaurus is blasting him with shots as well. They go for a pin, however, Omega finally rolls into the ring to break it up. We see Jungle Boy launch out on the floor as he goes flying like a ragdoll out to the floor. Omega hits a crazy backwards dive uh, of his own to the outside of the ring. And we set up. We see a buckshot v trigger combo, the last call from Page and Omega, which leads to the pinfall and the victory for the duo from the Elite. The theme of Omega plays as Hangman and Omega are handed their AEW tag team titles after a hard-fought victory here on AEW uh, Tag Team Appreciation Night. The winners, Hangman and Kenny. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not that it was bad. There was just kind of like. To me, at least, um, and I can't remember specifically. That's what I hate is like, I need to start writing notes down, um, or at least like do like a little, you know, little breakdown video on YouTube to show me the highlights again. But it, it kind of came off a little bit sloppy. But you know, what are you gonna do? What do you think about this match? And uh, Marco stunt? Should we? I don't know. Put him somewhere like a cage or some shit. I don't know.
0: We could that have Brian Alvarez break his fucking leg again. Is that child abuse? In, <laughs> I mean, it is child abuse. <laughs> I mean, he's 20-something
1: but he looks like he's fucking 12, so.
0: What, what Like Alvarez, I broke Stunt's leg, and then he fought his entire family, or whatever that was. Let's bring that gimmick to AEW. <laughs> Let's fight Let's all of Marco Stunt's family. Um This match was really good, but it did have some sloppy spots. One in particular, which I rewound and showed my wife, is Margot Stunt went for a suicide dive on Kenny Omega and overshot so hard, Kenny caught him by the ankles before he went head first into the fucking uh, ring posts. That's how fucking LaParka died. And I, I uh, or not the ring post, but the uh, the guardrails or whatever. Kenny somehow caught this guy. I don't know. It was incredible. And I rewound it like three times. And I was like, see, this is good wrestling. Look at fucking Kenny Omega save this guy's life. <laughs> because that that could have ended very, very badly. Um, I still hate the way Jungle Boy runs the ropes before he does a dive. Outside of that, thought it was a good match. Hangman looked good. The idea is to build the Hangman, I'm guessing. But Kenny Omega was a fucking force to be reckoned with. I thought he looks like a New Japan Kenny Omega in this match.
1: Yeah, dude, that one one, um, snapped uh, Dragon Rana to the outside on Jungle Boy looked nasty. And he did a fucking one on uh, Luchasaurus, which does not seem like a person that would be easy to do that with. So, he's a... Like I'm saying, man, if that happens where he fucks over... You know, it's it's my own scenario. I don't have any insight on this. But if he fucks over Paige, drops the titles, it, he doesn't even have to get associated completely. If he goes full heel and we see Kenny Omega, you know, the cleaner, that version of him, I think it will be fucking awesome. Put him in the singles
0: division. Have him whoops. I will point out on commentary, there was definitely something I loved, which went... When he suplexed Luciosaurus, and this is something only Taz does, he's like, because he is smaller, he has a lower center of gravity, so that suplex is actually easier. And I was like, huh, that shit makes sense. Love the Taz, man. He's brilliant. <laughs> I, which is probably something was overlooked by most people. They're just like, why the hell is he suplexing this big guy? He's like, well, Taz explained it.
1: All right, so we got some backstage shenanigans. I mean, the whole fight between the best friends and Santana Ortiz is just getting ridiculous, Chris. You know, they destroyed fucking Trent Barretta's mother's van last week. And now they found their bags and they took them and they put them in the shower and they pour bleach all over their clothes. What are they going to do and put on the shower for no fucking reason? Just wasted water. Not really progressive, AEW. Mm-mm-mm. No, no, no. In all actuality, I didn't like the scene. I think this is stupid. I hate the feud. And uh, let's get LAX better. Uh, you know, we deserve better, but not just for Jon Moxley, but also with LAX. Anyways, what did you, what did you think about this segment? That was good. You confused. really
0: you, you hated this
1: one because I was okay with it. They bleached your clothes. It wasn't even like that. Like. I don't know, man, this was just dumb to
0: me. I mean, it was dumb to me as well, but the idea was they stole their clothes the week before out of the van and sold the tires off the van and made a profit, which they talked about in the promo. They're like, them tires made us a sick profit. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's just a weird feud in general. I feel like there's definitely more you could do with LAX. Um, and also, where the fuck is Pentagon and Phoenix? As far as this tag team shit is, is concerned. But, yeah, I, I, I could see... Not like – it was definitely goofy, but I accepted it as just being fun-goofy with the storyline of the best friends because the best friends in general in Orange Cassidy is kind of goofy. And so was the inner circle to some extent. Chris, when LAX
1: was in Impact, there was a storyline that involved a kid getting hit by a fucking car, and now they're beating up a mom's van and destroying their, their, their clothing. I can I just. I
0: don't. I don't. Yeah, but it. they're they're also saying cool shit like tell your moms I said hi. <laughs> so. I, fucking I, hate it. I get it. I get why you would hate this, and I don't get why I wouldn't hate this as much because normally I would fucking hate it. I think it's just because it, fucking LAX is so good. It's hard to hate anything and they cut up burn go on.
1: Yeah, I, I think once they're over this feud, I'll be I'll be much happier. But you know, it's it is what it is. Um, but yeah. yeah. So, oh, and one thing we kind of forgot to talk about we we had a return of uh, Mike Chioda, uh, and he was the ref during the match with Cody and Scorpio Sky, and basically he was having like a little interview with. Um, fathead and uh le champion chris jericho comes over and what what did he call Kyoto? It's was like kiki like (laughs) what's up kiki and apparently claimed that he helped save his job at wwe that's what he was basically essentially saying and that he'd help him get the job there if he were to do the right thing and mike Kyoto goes all right so i'll call it down the middle and he goes oh yeah well yeah, whatever you want to call it. You just call it down the middle. I'll let you know if I need to do that, basically. So kind of set up stuff for later. Uh, what do you think about Mike Yota being part of the uh, refs? I think that that's a good addition, man. He's a very solid referee. Don't know why it's he got
0: fired. It's a great addition. I can't believe they would fire that guy either and not promote him as being their number one referee as like the oldest um, in WWE as the most senior referee I guess they could go little Nate's now, right? I
1: guess so. Uh, do you, did they run? No, no, that's right. Hepner got fired for selling t shirts or whatever. It's like, did they
0: run him out because he was old? But no, that, I, yeah. Whatever the fuck they did. I mean, bringing in Kyoto is fucking dope. I'm sure, like, uh, Aubrey Edwards is like, fuck, right now, as being the most over referee. I, I thought this was kind of a cool little story inside plays off the past if you're like a diehard fan of like hey do the right thing and uh it built into the match very very well Kyoto was about to look like a scumbag and at the very last second was like hey i'm not gonna brian him himner this (laughs) not gonna not gonna montreal screwjob orange cassidy (laughs) not doing it so it was uh i thought it was fine also Kyoto should not cut promos Ever. So. But. <laughs> Especially
1: if Alex Marvez is the one asking the questions. It
0: yeah. Like, fat, fat head. <laughs> fat head. Alex Marvez. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, it was cool. Like, they, they did – at least they talked about how legendary he was and how important he was to the wrestling business. They really put him over, and I feel like that's something – Um, This should be talked more about in different wrestling shows. But AEW did a good job of being like, Mike Yoda. he's fucking important to wrestling. He's been in some of your favorite matches that you don't even think about uh, as far as referees go. So at least they put him over in that sense. And then Chris Jericho's little promo feud with him was funny. And uh, him not giving in to Chris Jericho. Aubrey Edwards is a heel, though. As a heel referee. She seems more more of a wrestler than a referee to some extent just because she's so bold. Um, I could see something like that happening.
1: Um, So we had the tag team appreciation with the Bucks, FTR, Rock and Roll Express, and Anderson Tully. Um, I really like this. Uh, So basically it it looked like it was just going to be them all complimenting each other, and I'm like, where the fuck are they going with this? Because I like it. You know, it's it's nice seeing them all reference each other because there are such similarities between both tag teams, obviously. And obviously either the horsemen you know, well, actually no, they wouldn't have been the brain busters, but the horsemen, Tully and Arn have had their problems with uh the the Rock and Roll Express. They've they've been a rivalry. So you know, not as much as the Midnight Express and other but they they've they've they've, they've Gone the blows, if you will. So it starts off with Matt, and one thing that I didn't like, and I, I already mentioned this earlier as a joke, was I wish that Matt said that we are the modern Rock and Roll Express uh, instead of saying the Rock and Roll Express was the Young Bucks of their day. That seemed a little bit cocky. He probably didn't mean anything by it, but it just—I don't know. Just I was like, all right, whatever. But they—I mean that—that they, that is true, And he talks about the lineage, you know of it wouldn't, we wouldn't have Sean and Marty. We wouldn't have, um, we wouldn't have Matt and, and, and Jeff. I wish they would have thrown fucking, you know, Matt and, um, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, and Chris, or no, no, wait, it's Chris Sabin and, uh, Alex, Wish they would have thrown, uh, Alex and Chris in there too. Uh, but it's, tr- it's the truth. That's the evolution of a very similar gimmick, you know, uh, Lance and fucking Chris had it, uh, as well. And, um, I'll even go to PG-13. You remember that? Ha <laughs> ha! Anyways, um, they were like a hip-hop version of it. Uh, but, you know, they just gave them a lot of compliments and also praise at the end of it. Gave most of the compliments to the Rock and Roll Express and then praised, uh, you know, Arn and Tully for their contributions as well. Then it went to Dax, and he's very similar. He literally said, because I know Dax does... Not saying that that Matt doesn't respect Arn and Tully, but Dax has talked about how great the Rock and Roll Express are because you need that counter to a heel tag team like their style. So uh, they basically said, because of you four, I can, you know, feed my child. I, I, I have this wonderful life in wrestling because of how amazing you guys all did it. And then they put over Arn and Tully, though, as their favorite. And then this would happen with Ricky Morton saying, you guys are really good. But the Young Bucks, you know, and then Arn saying the same thing like, you know, you guys have have redefined wrestling to the Young Bucks, but this is the best tag team in the world. And then it gets Tully, who grabs Ricky Morton's fucking mic and just angry man Tully starts just ripping on everyone like, what the hell is this? Like, you know, why is everyone like kissing each other? Over this <laughs> shit, you know, you know what makes Tom Brady the greatest quarterback? He fucking won. You know, you guys don't have the titles, neither one of you tag teams. And then he starts bitching at Arn. He goes, I don't understand. I've had a problem with you since last Labor Day when you screwed over my man, Sean Spears. I don't understand what this is. And he's pointing to the nightmare symbol uh, and downing Cody, basically kind of signaling like, we used to beat up Dusty. Where? What the fuck happened to you? Why are you all nice and Wolford Brimley and shit? And fucking goes up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, off.
0: <laughs> Did you no, say fucking punk- Wilford
1: Brimley? He didn't say that, but that's what I said. You know, okay. that's, well, I, I was thinking that's that's kind of what he was kind of talking about. Like, where's Arne Anderson? Where's the heel version of you? He cuts him off, gets over with Dax and Cash, and basically kind of like looks like these are my motherfucking guys. And so uh, <laughs> he goes to, you know, scream at Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton slaps him across the face. All hell's breaking loose. Sean Spears comes out to grab Tully. And it's an all elaborate plan. Basically Tully and Sean are pulling, you know, the young bucks and Aaron Anderson out of there. And the rock and roll express is just in the ring with FTR. We all know that Dax apparently had that, that bad knee injury that kept him out of wrestling this week. So it looked like he retweaked it and then he takes off his brace and then he hands it to fucking cash. Cash bashes, uh, Robert Gibson over the head. He goes flying. Ricky Morton gets turned around spike pile driver, They're already on the ground, just kind of like walking off like, yeah, this is us. This is this is really us. And young bucks are like, dude, what the fuck did you do that for? Like, so we're finally starting this off. And I'm glad we're getting more of a heel direction. I should have shut up. You know, I shouldn't have been so pissy about this because I actually really like this payoff. Uh, Ricky, just like Ric Flair, man, if 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 you were an eighties wrestler and your name is Rick, stay away from any of the newer wrestlers from the last twenty years. They're gonna hurt you, apparently. So Steamboat, watch your back. God damn. Um, but uh yeah, he fucking took a spike pie driver like a champ. And I kinda hope we get rock and roll express against FTR. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but this is obviously gonna build up whatever factions kind of going on with Tully and Sean and them and whoever. And also FTR against the Bucks. We're starting it, so I. This is my favorite segment of the night. What What did you think, Chris?
0: Oh man, it hurt my soul for the Rock and Roll Express to be like the young bucks are the new us. And I'm like, <laughs> murder City Machine Guns are the new the the, the the rockers. Come on. <laughs> They're you the
1: kidding? young bucks. They're the young bucks of their day. When Matt Jackson said that, I was like, R- "Did you really just say that?"
0: It's like a family tree of what the the Rock and Roll Express was. So you get like Motor City Machine or the Rockers, Motor City Machine Gun, then the Young Bucks, and then everyone else sprinkled in. The Hardys, um, and Sauron, that the Hardys. There. Yeah, the Hardys should be above the Young Bucks. The thrill seekers, bro. <laughs> Lance and fucking
1: Chris Jericho, man. As soon as, they, as, soon the as they said that... No, never mind. Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> as soon as they said that, I just started
1: drinking a lot.
0: I was like, uh-huh. Tell me more about how the Young Bucks are their rock and roll That's fucking... Me. You friends. love
1: the Young Bucks. I love the Young Bucks. But I just was like, why did you
0: say that? It's, they're not. They're not. They're not even similar at all. I mean, the, the closest comparison, if you're going to draw the modern wrestling, would be the Hardys. Yep. Um, it's because
1: he steal his shit a lot of times. He'll do whatever to get a win. Rock
0: and Roll Express to do that. Well, just that and the Hardys have a better understanding of how in-ring psychology works and we can have matches that mean something. The only one I can think of with the Young Bucks is, was them versus the Golden Lovers, which I have to think that Kota Ibushi was like, we're having a fucking wrestling match, guys, not a bazillion spots. Um, yep. I Look, I like the Young Bucks. I think they're very talented. I thought this promo was fine for what it is. I think the tag teams that they highlighted, obviously are not my favorite tag teams of all time if you're gonna talk about the greatest tag teams of all time and have tag team appreciation why the fuck are the steiners and road warriors not there um or midnight express this has been a perfect time if you're gonna bring in jim Cornette. it would have been a perfect time for him to talk about how great the midnight express was um so from that standpoint i was already kind of torn.
1: Chris Chris Jericho banned Jim Cornette from watching AEW anymore. I don't know if he's. <laughs> <listening to Twitter. laughs> so, so Jim Cornette came back and said uh, because it was like he is banned from watching AEW Dynamite and AEW Dark and he goes well I appreciate you know I'll try not to sneak down uh, in the living room and watch that at nighttime and don't worry I don't already I, I already don't watch AEW Dark so you don't have to worry about that and then he said hashtag COVID God
0: Hashtag, thank uh, you, <laughs> or some shit.
1: It, it it was referencing the fact that fucking Jericho just played that Sturgis uh thing with like a million people at it, which I'm sure that they went through a quarantine session similar to Doctor No from fucking James Bond, where they just hosed him down before he went on AEW, three checks and shit, like yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty funny.
0: He's banned. He's he's fucking he's no longer allowed to watch tv apparently um yeah that was weird my friend sent me a message he's like i told you the fucking cornet shit was a gimmick and i was like i don't think so i think jor like you know i i feel like jericho was just being funny and poking a joke at Cornette to get a response it wasn't don't read into that too much is what i'm getting at no i don't think Cornette's showing up next week guys But in in, in any case, there's like demolition. There's fucking other great tag teams. They should have listed off. If you're just gonna list off tag teams and talk about how Harlem fucking heat, list off great tag teams. They missed a a big part of great fucking tag teams. Yeah, Uh, but I don't
1: I don't think that was the point of. I think they just use that as a bullshit way to get those two tag teams in there with the Bucks and FDR to set up something. I I don't really... Because if it was tag team appreciation, we talked about this.
0: Why wasn't every fucking tag team... (laughs) Well, I mean, if everyone is talking about their favorite tag teams and you sell it and you do it right, this segment means a lot more, right? Which they didn't do. So I'm not giving them a pass on it. It was fine. Um, I will say ricky taking that spike pile driver i think i actually talked about this uh, earlier but uh taking that spike pile driver my wife thought he died (laughs) i was like no he's just that good at selling he's just really fucking good
1: (laughs) yeah apparently ricky morton's really good at selling Uh, do you think we're do you think that we'll get rock and roll versus FTR in like the next week or two to build up to whatever.
0: So hard to say with AW, are they going to be weird about it where it's like, if we don't let them wrestle, it's ages. But if we do let them wrestle, the internet's going to get mad because these guys are going to get dropped on their heads and they're like 70.
1: Oh, fuck the people on the internet. They already fucking <laughs> won the NWA World Tag Team Championships this, this last year. Jesus.
0: I mean, what I would love is if they come out and they're like, hey, we're not fighting you guys. Fuck y'all. Here's them boys. <laughs> it's just the Briscoes. <laughs> we, awesome. get, we get Briscoes versus young bucks. No, I could easily see them doing a match. It, it's just going to suck. I mean... It sucks if you're a Rock and Roll Express fan because you know they have to put these guys over to some extent. And
1: uh, like, they're old.
0: They, they're they're <laughs> he, he a good
1: looking dude. He looks like a troll doll now. He looks like a human fucking troll doll.
0: I mean, it was what like four, three or four years ago where you and I were talking about that uh, match before before Mania when I I called the Hardy showing up. Where it was like the Hardys, Rock and Roll Express, and the Young Bucks in a ladder match for the tag team titles. Yep. <laughs> and then you look at, like, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express, and you're like, the fuck are y'all still doing? But whatever, dude, he took that pile driver better than anyone in the business, so <laughs> he can still go.
1: <laughs> I agree. All right, so, uh,. From there, we had a match with the women's champion, Hikaru Shida, going against uh, Heather Monroe. Uh, not really a squash match, and it, it seems kind of like Shida's, kind of like with the female or the, the women's championship, is doing the same thing with that, similar to what Cody's doing with TNT. Like, anyone's available to face me, and she's taking people each week. Now, you know, this was definitely much more of a squash match, but Heather's still got some stuff in. And she'd have won, and, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Tony went to go interview her afterwards and asked her, you know, who, basically, like, who she'd like to face next, and she said anyone. So she wants to fight people and kick their ass, and I am completely down to watch that. Uh, I just wish that there was, like I said, more women's wrestling involved or at least a longer match with, you know, a, a bigger opponent, I guess, if you have to do that. You could, because, I mean, at the same time, you don't want to give people that are kind of newer or they're trying out or just coming in here for a squash match too much offense. So, um, you know, a match with Nyla or someone else. You know, sometimes I think, and partially they don't really pay attention to the rankings a lot of times. We we kind of talked about that with Darby Allen going against Moxley. Didn't really make much sense because I think he was like four or five uh, in the standings. So do you think that, at the same time, do you think that the rating system itself, Chris – it's kind of hindering because it's like, well, we don't want to have Nyla going against Sheeta because she'll get a loss and that'll be against her record. You know, I don't know. Do you think that that's possibly kind of screwing up potential matches with people, I guess. And what'd you think about Sheeta winning over Heather Monroe?
0: Well, I don't understand why she was fighting Heather Monroe, but shout out to Heather Monroe. Good job. You, t- you did your job. Well, thought the match itself was fine um yeah when when you made the entire company around uh having bookings and and being a one through ten kind of list of who should be fighting for the titles you did pigeonhole yourself into this which wwe doesn't do they're just like whoever the fuck fights for the title fights for the title um i will say they do a good job of at least around the heavyweight division and in the tag team division where they try to give the guys who are going for the title a strong win with the exception of fucking evil uno and Stu grayson <laughs> like i guess they won a bunch of matches on dark i didn't see but yeah. um even in ufc if you're at least if you're in the top 10 you can fight a champion So I guess that's what they're going for, but they should do a better job of describing what the power rankings mean if they actually mean anything. Or just disregard them completely.
1: Yep. All right, so we had – this was the strangest fucking shit. I don't know how I feel about this. We have another one of those backstage interviews with Jake Roberts and Lance Archer in a – like, do they just like – the thought process of this – all right, Lance Archer and Jake the Snake are coming in this locker room. Guys are getting ready. Like, why the fuck are they in here? Oh, wait, they destroyed people last time. And then Lance Archer, while Jake's doing this promo about owning someone with, from fear and doing one of his old school promos, you know, Jake's just – or uh, Lance is just fucking annihilating people behind him. And at the end of it, he goes up to Jake, cuts him off, and is like, did you tell them? And he's like, no, I haven't told him yet. And, you know, and Jake gets cut down. We're we're seeing this concept where, you know, Lance has been set off probably from losing and he's pissed and he wants everyone's blood. And Jake thought that he could, you know, because he's Jake Roberts, thought that he could fucking contain him, but he's losing control of him. (laughs) And we have this awkward part where he's he he rips Jake's like, you know, buttons all off. And Jake's like, man, that's a two hundred dollar shirt. Turns him around real quick, rips his shirt off in the back. And his back said, uh, everybody dies. And you just have, like, you know, Jake Roberts kind of moping and Lance giving the scariest looking fucking face. Dude, him and Karrion Cross, man, they they scare me just from their facial expressions. But I don't know if I liked doing that to Jake. I really don't. Um, Ripping off his shirt and stuff, it just was an awkward concept. So you're saying that he had marker on his back. You already wrote it on there. And he was just chilling there. Like but he was supposed to say it but then he also had on i don't know maybe i'm i'm trying to make too much logic within this promo but i kind of would have preferred if jake just did so, like his one of his dastardly promos while lance was can't coming you know and destroying everyone and at the end of it he just looked in the camera real ferociously and said everybody dies like ending jake's you know promo but they went with this i don't know what what's going on really with jake um i don't think it was the best look for him I'll just put it that way. Chris, what did you think?
0: I thought it was fucking great. And I'm going to give you my booking of why I think it would be great, which is they're treating Jake the snake like he's a retirement resident, but he's getting abused by their nurse. That's how this came off to me. So if they roll with that, where it's like an old person getting abused and used for his, uh, his, business knowledge or being a part of the business for so long there's a lot of things you can do with that storyline and that's how this came off for me because the tearing the shirt off and having it RA written on his back insinuates that uh the murder hawk is already being an asshole to this guy to begin with
1: i can take that i mean like i said i like the concept that He's out of fucking control and not even the evil Jake the Snake Roberts can handle him. Uh, I just thought it was kind of weird. <laughs> I'm nowhere when he just rips his shirt off. It was like, okay, now again, are
0: getting sexy. Um. <laughs> I guess I'm looking past the e- the evil Jake the Snake uh, character and more towards like he's an older guy and this guy's being an abusive asshole and taking advantage of this person who's had a lot of problems in his life. And if yeah. that's what they roll with. But remember how sinister
1: he was with Brandy and, you know, everything before that when he first showed up? Like, it was like having the old Jake the Snake back. And now it's kind of like, like you just said, like, a, he's just an old guy who's out of shape and gets markers written on his back and
0: shit. Wait, to me, it's fine. Because can twist that as, like, I've been controlling this guy the entire time. Yeah, I'm an it's asshole. The- <laughs> it's-
1: Uh, So they announced that um, basically what's going on for next week, uh, the 22nd uh, of Saturday is when AEW will air because there will be a basketball uh, playoff game uh, in its place. So basically it starts, I think they said it's going to start at at six or something like that. It's definitely starting earlier, but they listed some of the matches for it. Uh, And like I said, this partially going to be going head to head with takeover. So it's a very interesting concept. Uh, but FTR versus Private Party. The Elite versus the Dark Order. Darby Allen will be in action. Cody is going to be going to, uh, against Brody Lee for the AEW TNT Championship. Uh, an AEW Women's uh, Tag Team Cup Tournament. Oh, the finals is actually going to be on that show. Okay, I thought it was at All Out. And Lucha Brothers, The Butcher and the Blade versus Jurassic Express, QT Marshall, and Dustin Rhodes. Um, Dark Order... I thought they lost, I don't understand, well, oh yeah, never mind, it's the Dark Order going against the Elite, so it's the Young Bucks and Kenny going against, I feel like we d- just did this fucking match, but that's fine. Uh, the only thing that's really the most the the most unneeded is these four-on-four matches. I'm glad they did a good job the week before when they had the Dark Order going against all those wrestlers, because the way they did it and broke it down story-wise, it, it worked. But I just don't like four on four, five on five, six on six. Shit, even three on three sometimes can get a little bit uh, much. But whatever. What are you gonna What are you gonna do, Chris?
0: I have no idea what I'm gonna do, Dane. I don't even know what I'm gonna do today. <laughs> Shit. Are you I- excited
1: about those matchups for uh, next week going against Takeover?
0: I think there's some good matches for sure. It's going to be so weird because TakeOver is on the, the network, right? Yep. So you have free versus TV. That's the most interesting thing. So, like, if if AEW still draws 700,000 people, we're never going to get the numbers or comparison. Like, an yeah, XP TakeOver could have... 2 million people watching on the network,
1: right? We'll get more of a comparison of where NXT's at Wednesday when they're by themselves. Yeah. But you're right though. There's going to be a lot of AEW fans are going to try to back and forth or, you know, even if they have the first hour by themselves, if it trails into takeover, people are going to switch. Those type of people that watch both shows are going to switch over. So I wonder if that's going to hinder them at all with their ratings.
0: I, I would think that TNT is Acceptant of the fact their Ratings are going to be down in general Because they moved it from its normal night Right? Yeah um, That being Said With NXT and AEW being kind of A niche I, I don't want to call it an internet community Of wrestling fans But it is very much that I feel like, people will still pick one or the other, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they still pull, like, 700,000 fans on Saturday versus NXT on pay-per-view. It's
1: going to be interesting. I know that Dave and Brian will try to at least give us the most roundabout way to of a comparison between numbers that they have with their info. Um, but, yeah, all right, so we have the last match, the main event, the $7,000 obligation match. Uh, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy versus Le Champion Chris Jericho. Uh, I thought their last match flowed a lot better. They also did the exact same spot. And you're telling me that Chris Jer- Jericho, who is an ultimate heel of all time, is not going to remember that Orange Cassidy is going to bait you with those shit punches just to throw you off. So that when you go to fucking hit him, he ducks and, and super kicks you in the face. Like, they did that last match, uh, but it was still a pretty damn good match, um, and I really liked the ending, but uh, let, me, let me get down towards the end of the match. We had Jericho executes a nice codebreaker on Cassidy back in the ring, goes for a cover, but only gets two count. Things get even more hectic now, uh, and in all the insanity, Cassidy hits a beautiful falcon arrow on Jericho for a near fall. He hits a big kick and another Superman punch, Nice connection with the Superman punch. That looks stiff as fuck. Um, Now with a very fired up Orange Cassidy, we see the dastardly duo of Santana and Ortiz making their way out, looking to spoil Cassidy's uh, party uh, right as he appeared to be nearly winning. Uh, Before they can do anything, however, Cassidy gets an uh, assist in the form of the best friends as Chuck Taylor and Trent run out and save, taking out Prime Powerful as a brawl. Jericho seemed to call up for uh, Mike Kyoto to play ball, as he alluded to during the uh, backstage interview. This guy completely forgot about the fact that Hager comes up. Oh, no, that that, that happens a little bit later. Never mind. Jericho seemed to call uh, Mike Kyoto to play ball, as he alluded to during backstage interview, picking up a baseball bat and alluding that he was going to hit Orange Cassidy with that. And, uh, you know, Kyoto turned around for a second, waited for him to raise it back, grabbed it. And threw it out. Cassidy avoids a Judas effect from Jericho after a big uh, low blow spot, spot uh, from a cheap shot from Hager running in the ring uh, while uh, everyone everything was going crazy. Cassidy catches uh, after the missed Judas effect. Cassidy catches Jericho with a mouse trap for the pin and the shocking upset victory. And we go off to Chris Jericho completely in denial and Mr. Orange Cassidy, you know having his hand raised uh, and winning the match. And it looked like this match almost went over because as soon as the match was in, it was done. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I think these guys had a better match, but with the last match, I'm sure we're going to get a rubber match, obviously from this probably at all out. Um, but still fun. Uh, what'd you think, Chris? Shit. I was on
0: mute. Um, I thought it was a very good match. I tend to agree with you on it not being as good as their previous match. This one, I'm just going to go out and say it. I hated the finish. It got botched by Jericho a little bit with the pin. Yep. Um, It just kind of looked like shit. Shit. And also, why would you, if you're gonna put orange, if Orange Casty overcame all of those odds, why not just give him a straight win, like a clean win, as opposed to like essentially a roll-up pin? We can call it what we can call it a mouse trap pin or whatever the fuck we want to call it, but it, it's he rolled him up basically. Um, so it, I guess it. The idea is to keep Jericho looking strong, but Jericho had his entire crew attack one person, essentially, to win this match. Um, Jericho, being this giant doofus of a character he is right now, is fine for me. Um, it's really weird they went away from that Mike Tyson stuff so quickly, and now he's feeding with uh, Orange Casty. What the fuck happened to that? But um, you know, whatever. Like I like Orange Cassidy a lot. Thought he's been pretty fun. Thought the match was decent overall. I could see why people would fucking hate this. And uh, if the thing you hate about this most is not the finish, then I guess you just like hate Orange Cassidy.
1: Yep. Well. Still a good show, Uh, and like you know, I've said a million times, liked both shows. Um, But yeah,
0: I don't really have anything else besides that. So, (laughs) so what was your favorite show of the two? Because they both were not top tier versions of themselves.
1: It kind of goes down to the segments, man. I hate to say that, but it's true. And I think I, even though I really like that opening segment with Keith Lee, Game Blinded, that old school fireball thing, uh, and everything that went with that, I really, even though like you know you you had your your issues with it, I liked the setup of setting FTR in a heel direction the way they did it, uh, and having you know the Rock and Roll Express there and fucking Ricky Morton taking that spike pile driver and. Match-wise, I don't know. I think I, I think I might have liked an AEW, because that first tag match was really good. I liked Co- uh, Cody and Scorpio Sky. The other tag match was fine. The ending was fine, too. And I'm trying to – I can't remember NXT's – their matches off the top of my head. Um, already deleted the fucking tab I had that <laughs> had all the matches broken down on it. Uh, but, yeah, I think I might have to go with
0: AEW. What about you? Just gonna have to go with AEW. It it just is the uh, is is more of the fun show to watch a lot of times.
1: Yep. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, and I've said this. It's like you could have more in depth, better wrestling matches. But is your show cohesively the whole entire time kind of engaging? It just seems like the NXT has kind of slow spots um, to it, even though they did, they did a lot of great storytelling. But I just feel like AEW is just kind of fun, and some of it has to do with the atmosphere. It has to do with where they're doing it. So if they rent out this place that they want to rent out, I forgot what what state it is. It's a little bit up north. Um, And they're thinking about doing it after SummerSlam with their programming, that would be really cool because I'd love to get the fuck out of the Performance Center with any of their shows.
0: Can't can't agree with you more. I feel like uh, just moving... Moving that set somewhere else is a good thing for WWE.
1: Yep. I have to agree. Um, uh, um, but, yeah, man, I think that's a show. Uh, Impact was really good. Uh, not a lot too much stuff happened. We'll talk more about it probably next week. But AWNXT, thank you guys so much for listening. Go to geekfivesnation.com. There you can find our Facebook page or Twitter page. Our Instagram, find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter. And you search Google, uh, just Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, all of those listening platforms. Chris, say goodbye to all the wonderful people.
0: Hey, wonderful people. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to talk to me, you want to talk about wrestling, you want to talk about any kind of sports, except for uh, football or soccer, which I know nothing about. Uh, you can hit me up at, at ChrisRPatent on Twitter. Also, the Skate's Throats podcast uh, with our playoff predictions and a uh, surprised host is up, uh, is up on Spotify and, and, and anything you'd be listening to a podcast on. Um, and as always, thank you so much, Dane. You're the best.
1: You're the best, too, buddy. And uh, remember, I, I recorded a new episode of Geek Vibes Live with Tia, so check that out. Uh, But thank you guys so much. You know, the wonderful people, the wonderful people. You guys have a good one. Peace out. And let the Geek Fives be with you.